Welcome to Roll Calling, a podcast about actors we love and the movies we love them in. I'm Caroline Sita, and I will not allow my Twinkletown musicale to be made into farce. I'm Ned Baker, and hey, just call me Freaky Callback Boy. You even look like a boy. (laughs) What deliveries? The way this podcast works is that Ned and I take turns curating a five-film miniseries starring an actor we've loved. We love. I don't know why I made it a past tense. They're actors we currently still love. Well, we did cover James Dean, and the man is dead, so uh, sorry to this man. Other than James <laughs> Dean, so far we've covered Christian Bale, Emily Blunt, Dev Patel, the one and only Jamie Lee Curtis, Jeffrey Wright, Meg Ryan, and most recently, Antonio Banderas. So we are moving on to a brand new series this week, Ned, oh, featuring the one and only mid-aughts icon himself, Zach Efron, Mr. Zephron, uh, and, and I am informally dubbing this series Zach Efron Oops All Musicals. <laughs> it's not really oops, though, is it? That implies some sort of a some sort of lack of intentionality. And I think anyone who's listened to us talk about musicals on any of our previous episodes would be like, "What that? <laughs> you know, it's, you know, you guys didn't stumble into <laughs> choosing a, a hugely musical-focused series." We did not unintentionally pick a starting episode that features not one, but three musicals in, of course, Zac At Efron's least. meteoric breakout turn in the Disney Channel original movie-turned-franchise high school musical, where he's soaring, he's flying, there's not a star <laughs> in heaven that he can't reach. And to help us discuss all things Zephron and all things HSM is our very own Wildcat, Writer, yeah. filmmaker, and actor Zoe Maltby. Welcome to the show, Zoe. Hey, hello. I am so happy to be here talking about one of the earliest loves of my life. I, I could not be more excited. We're so pleased. We're so chuffed to have you here. Oh, you're chuffed. Yeah. I'm in London, so I should say that. <laughs> yeah. I'm in Brixton. My flatmates have told me I can't do that accent anymore, but I will not be intimidated. We're not going to tell you that. This is a safe space for your <laughs> for your bad dialects. We, we bring ours almost weekly. Oh, thanks. <laughs> this is one of our our most, uh, I guess, international records, but we have Ned's, Ned's traveling at the moment. I'm holding down the fort in Chicago, and we got Zoe in London. So we're really, we're bringing everyone together to discuss this iconic franchise. Well, you know, we are all in this together. You Damn, go. you scooped uh, me on that. Go. I was going to make that joke. He was ready. Yeah. How, how long could we go into this High School Musical episode before our first we're all in this together? And it'll happen more times. It'll happen at least five more times. I'm ready. This is a perfect transition because so so Zoe and I have been on the thread where we've been planning this. We've been exchanging some some High School Musical in-jokes, one might say. And the the behind the scenes subtext of this episode is that Ned, until recently, was not able to join in on those those in jokes. So Ned, I want to start because Zoe and I have so much history with this franchise. Yeah. I actually want to open with you. Mm-hmm. What was it like as a thirty two year old man? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> in the year of our Lord twenty twenty two, to watch High School Musical for the first time. What was it like? It was really special i mean let's i don't know the the like mid-aughts 
like throwback energy. Yeah. Was just, it just took me powerfully back to high school. I mean, like, I don't know. It's just something about like the hair and the clothes and the things just like zanked me right back to, yep. to, to the time when we were in high school. And yeah, this has been this cultural monolith. And a lot of it I have, uh, digested, you know, cultural osmosis style. I don't know. It kind of was like exactly what I had expected. Um, <laughs> sure. It's what it says on the label. Yeah, uh, it's it's exactly what it says on the label. I was not able to watch the full franchise. My schedule got away from me this week, and I, I got up through High School Musical 2. And I would say that I can feel myself as I go deeper into the franchise. Hope You know, I'm thinking there's a possibility I will end up watching Volume 3 sometime soon. The glow as you spend more time is sort of retroactively shining on the first one, which I think yeah. if they had not gotten greenlit for a sequel would be a little bit more of sort of like a forgotten relic. But as it becomes this this franchise and you follow these characters on their various adventures and they all become sort of better at what they're doing uh, as yeah. performers, it, uh, I don't know, it was neat. It was not like revelatory. But it was a pleasure to it was a pleasure to witness uh especially baby Efron doing this thing. <laughs> Befron. Love Befron. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. It would be a bummer if you came on here and were like, I hated watching yeah. every no. minute of this. <laughs> I was mentally prepared for that. I was like, okay, this this could not translate at all to Ned's contemporary POV. <laughs> I don't know. I could see the the impulse to do that. I just don't. I'm just not feeling that scroogey right now to be. <laughs> I don't have the the energy to try to like fight what this thing is. Like I just let it roll yeah. over me and enjoyed it as it was happening. It's, it's so good hearted too. Like mm. I was thinking this when I was rewatching it. Even it would be a really hard franchise to hate, and I am a, a hater first uh, and a person <laughs> second. Um, it just comes at you with so much goodwill, and it just wants to make you love it and be happy. It's a it's a puppy dog franchise, and so mm. I think. I don't know. I imagine it would be hard to sit there with your arms crossed and be like, fuck all y'all. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I could curse on this podcast. You, can. you certainly okay. can. Yeah, it's kind of, because it's a Disney Channel original movie, like, it's kind of scrappy. You know, when we're yeah, yeah, hating, yeah. what's fun to hate on is like, they had a bajillion dollars to make last, or to make, return. what's it fucking called? To make Rise of Skywalker, and they shit the bed as hard as they could. That's that's the, the over chill that went up my spine at yeah. the phrase Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Fun fact about me, really quick digression. I had gotten dumped two days before I went to see Rise of Skywalker, wow. uh, a movie Worst I was heavily anticipating. Life. Yes, especially due to like my deep love of Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. I got a slushie. I took a bottle of vodka. I emptied mm -hmm. it into the slushie. Ooh, because I had ordered seats so late due to being dumped, I'm seated two rows in front of my friends alone in a <laughs> reclining seat. My friends were like, you started getting belligerent about 20 minutes into the movie, circa somehow Palpatine returns. And we just hear you being like, fucking shut up, you stupid. I'm just like, really like having the time of my life in the second row. Um, bad experience. That's either the worst way to experience that movie or like maybe in some way the best way to experience yeah, that movie. I made it my own mystery science theater. And I think that was kind of the only way through for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so that's an example of people who had everything going for them fumbling the bag. High School Musical yeah, is yeah, yeah. like scrappy and heroic by comparison. I also think I'll be curious to hear what you guys think. Mm -hmm. uh, particularly with the first one, I think the tone is actually quite self-aware. 
Yes, like it incredibly. is very earnest and it's very funny. But what it reminds me most of is the sort of beach blanket bingo movies they used to make mm-hmm. in the sixties with Frankie Avalon and Annette Funicello, which were always very. I mean, they're kitschy and they're funny and they're campy, but they're like, you you feel like the actors know what they're doing. And I feel like that is the energy I get from the first High School Musical in particular, which you don't, you can't laugh at it then because it's in on the joke to begin with. Yes. Oh, yeah. Part of, uh, we were talking about Phantom of the Opera right before this because I wanted to make my deep love of that musical known. Um, Wait, the musical or the movie or both? Both. Both, baby. I just yelled into the mic because I'm so passionate. (laughs) Uh, Movies can't masterpiece, can't tell me nothing. There Mm -hmm. was a part where Gerard Butler is on a black horse and Patrick Wilson is on a white horse and the music's going like, and they're riding through a graveyard. I forgot about the horses. Yeah, it's because you don't appreciate the art that's in front of you here, Ned. Sure, sure. Um, (laughs) But no, um, I sent so many people the clip where Corbin Blue is like, do you know who Michael Crawford is? My mom has his picture in her refrigerator, inside it. it. In it. Yeah, <laughs> in it. And I was like, that's legitimately really funny. Like, mm-hmm. there are bits in this movie that are great. Ashley Tisdale, I think, in particular in the first one, she's a little older. She was a little more experienced, I think, at the time. And she, you know, knows exactly what movie she's in. Everything Sharpay does is, like, genuinely kind of delightful to me. Um, and so, yeah, it's hard to sit there and be like, Again, be be a hater because they very clearly are having a lot of fun and riffing on this concept with just the right amount of winkiness to sincerity mm-hmm. ratio. I always love uh, Ryan's line love Ryan. after they, they Ryan. do their, their first little performance. He's like, everybody loves a good jazz square. It's a crowd favorite. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> I love that jazz uh, square is his like call sign. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so Zoe, give it. We we your love for the franchise is clear, but talk <laughs> us through your history with High School Musical. When did you come to it? How big of a part of your life was it? Yeah. Um, so it's so funny because obviously I'm now very open about my love for it, but I was really obsessed with being too cool for it at the time. Um, this is kind of like my journey with my favorite movies, the Hunger Games franchise, um, Mm -hmm. where I recently realized I have always been a Hunger Games gal. I was just kind of like quiet, quiet and closeted about it. A closeted Um, high school musical fan. How Very much so. (laughs) To be honest, okay, now to do my tangent, Hunger Games is great. And the only reason it isn't treated as like in depth as as like superhero movies are is because it's aimed primarily at a female audience. And I will die on that hill that it is as good as anything that Marvel has ever produced. Better, better. I'll join you on that hill. There's a great, if anyone knows who Manola Dargis is, she is a movie critic for the New York Times, has worked a bunch of other places. Caroline, I'm sure you know who she is. Um, And she has written several pieces about Katniss and specifically Jennifer Lawrence as Katniss that are like gorgeous pieces of writings, pieces of writings that I think sum up anything I would try to say better than I could say it. But if you have a second, I would highly recommend reading Manola Dargis on Katniss. I think we're in for a wide-reaching episode today. <laughs> <laughs> this is reclaiming girl culture, colon, high school I'm musical. Ready. You know that was my hidden agenda. Parentheses, oops, all musicals, colon, the yeah. series, colon, the special. Zach Efron is girl culture. Kenny Ortega is girl culture. Mm. These are the hills I will die on as well. This is not a visual medium but my hands are in the air <laughs> yeah um i uh honestly that title would be fitting given that we now have high school musical the musical the series mm-hmm. um, true true 
but yeah, I, I watched it when it first came out, like at my friend's house at a sleepover, um, because I think I was like 12 to 13 years old. So I was very much the target audience, but I remember even then feeling a little too old for it. Like mm-hmm. I, I was embarrassed. I was like, this feels really young to me. Cause you know, I knew what sex was, you know, I, I knew that kids drank alcohol. And so I was very much like, this is so G rated. Not at East and High, then- they don't. No, yeah, they don't. Say. Well, because it's in Utah. So, um, <laughs> yes. Fun well, fact. I love that as the subtext that there's like a Mormon element running through this franchise, and that's why they're all so innocent. To me, it is text because my wow. mom went. My, well, my mom went to Woods, Woods Cross High. So is a Mormon expert. I am a more uh, full disclosure. Yeah, a lot of Mormon family on my mom's side, and my mom grew up very close to East High. They were her sports rivals. Uh, so, well, did she play for the West High Knights? Uh, she played for the Woods Cross Whatevers, and I think that that's uh, pretty <laughs> that's much probably pretty much the, the West, West High Knights. Yeah. Okay, we should also clarify the series was shot in Utah, although yeah, set yeah, in yeah. Albuquerque. So the Mormonism is slightly confused in terms of the. <laughs> text of the film itself yeah, yeah, but yeah. i like it as as an influence behind the scenes absolutely uh what's her name who likes to pop and lock it is a card carrying uh-huh. mormon martha, i googled i think i think it's martha yeah i googled the whole cast um yeah she's but, a she seems she's she pops up on my instagram explore page a lot as i think she's kind of just like a general disney influencer now huh. like if there's an encanto dance trend my girl is on it if there's Love a high school musical her. thing trending she can be popping and locking again you well, know, listen, she's out there representing. She got married in the temple, so uh, props Amazing. to her. Um, the, uh, hilariously, the High School Musical cast attended the reception because none of them were allowed in the temple because oh, if you're sure. not Mormon, you can't go in the temple. Um, anyway, <laughs> so I watched the second movie, and I remember that was like a big event. And at that point, I was like, I like this a lot. I think mm-hmm. also Fabulous is such an undeniable juggernaut of a number mm-hmm. that uh, even I and my cynicism could recognize, like, there's something actually great here. Like, some of these numbers are incredibly well-staged and joyful. And then, of course, Bet On It became its own runaway phenomenon. Um, and to kind of bring it all together, I remember High School Musical 3 and 17 again coming out around the same time. And that was when I just gave in to Zach. I was just like this vulnerable, blue-eyed, shaggy-haired man. Like, I want him to kiss me in the rain and tell me I'm <laughs> I'm the music in him. Um, and so my friend and I did go see it in theaters, like the very first weekend it opened. It was such an enthusiastic crowd. Um, and there's a lot of his nostalgia in it for me because one, the friend who I was like really into this with um, is someone who I just like grew apart from in college. And so I think this feels like kind of a relic of a time and a friendship that Mm -hmm. were very special. And one of the overlying themes of the trilogy is the passage of time, I would argue. Um, And I also, you know, I did the high school musical. I was very in love with my high school boyfriend who was also in the high school musical. And so they just feel like a very precious, sweet encapsulation of a time in my life that is no more. And I'm very fond of them. Do you remember what grade you were in when the third one came out? I must have been, I think, either a sophomore or a junior mm-hmm. because I, the friend that I went with by senior year, even we were like not as close. So, and I think this was also when I had my platinum blonde pixie cut. So, <laughs> um, that, yeah, I was sophomore year, junior year. Okay. I'm okay. I'm so glad we have you on because we're, we're, the three of us are not that different in age. We all went to college together. But I think for things like this, the relatively minor age difference we have actually does make quite oh, a big difference for definitely. your sort of youthful 
loves because I love high school musical. I would consider it a huge part of my high school years. But the the first one came out when I was a sophomore in high school. Wow. Yeah. I was at an age where like my love was always I was I was happy to love it openly. I didn't quite have that like I need to hide this energy that you had, but my love was always very much tinged with irony that I feel like you probably are less likely to have if this is a thing you love in middle school. Yeah. But similar to your story, the first two especially were like huge with my high school theater friends. This was the era when we would all get together and watch Newsies, also directed yep. by Kenny Ortega. <laughs> so it was okay. all folded in there. I fa- I went all the way back to the very first photo I ever posted on Facebook to find me and at the time my two best friends in front of a movie theater seeing the Hannah Montana, like, live filmed concert. Oh, my God. That, again, was, like, an ironic, you know what I mean? Quote, unquote, ironic friend group event for high schoolers to be doing. And then the third movie came out. Ned, you probably don't remember this because this wasn't a part of your life. It came out our, like, second month being at college. I went to see it at the movie theater in Evanston. Might have been the first movie I saw at the movie theater in Evanston. God bless the rhythm room. God bless the rhythm room. Uh, And that felt like it was like the button on high school. It was like that part in Little Mm -hmm. Women where Joe's like, childhood is over. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing seeing the last high school musical the first month of college, similar to you, Zoe, sort of like in some ways saying goodbye to a friend group or sort of, you know, but feeling such love and nostalgia for it. So I... I rewatching this was hit with many a feeling of, yeah. of, you know, the movies are emotional, but also sort of, I think what we're all saying, just like the, the baggage in a good way that we're bringing to it from this era that we all live through. Yeah, we've all got good baggage there. <laughs> yeah, I cried watching the third movie. I, I got oh, quite teary as well. Damn I, it. Yep. Ned, did you not cry? No, I didn't, didn't watch it. I didn't get you to watch the right third yet, one. Though. I just am like, <laughs> I was like afraid you guys are going to be like, oh, the third one's really good. And I was going to be kicking myself. Here's what I'll say. Two is my favorite. Let's get okay. that on the table. Whoa, okay, great. I was going to ask for your ranking. We disagree strongly, but I want to hear Hell I yeah. want to hear the full <laughs> ranking and the arguments. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you the argument right now. Bet on it. <laughs> I mean, That's you're my not argument. <laughs> Bet on it is hugely... the the. The whole movie kicks into a high gear <laughs> during Ben on it. Like, I was That's so high sad. Watermark of the, oh, yeah. of the franchise, I think, as far as I saw. I was so sad. I thought I had COVID on Wednesday for round four. I was so depressed. I'm like mm-hmm. in my room with the blinds drawn watching High School Musical 2. Bet on it happens and my serotonin just goes through the roof. I became a new <laughs> woman once again. Your throat cleared. You suddenly like your eyes blinked open. You you were healed. Precisely. When it starts, you do feel the energy of like, I am watching cinema history happen in front <laughs> yes. of my eyes. Yes. This is a moment. Yeah. You feel like it stands out from the rest of the movie more. And the commitment from Zac Efron to totally. – Because the third one has – very high production values and and when it's he gets shocking, his big yeah. breakout like breakdown breakout breakdown song it's like it, it feels fitting for the sort of theatricality around him and bet on it my man just has to be on a golf course <laughs> in utah with a steady cam following him fully selling this song with like nothing no stagecraft around him and you <laughs> and cannot no say the man doesn't commit <laughs> no this, the gist of the song is like do i want to play golf this summer or be in the talent show and he is giving like 
he is giving like Christian Bale at the end of American Psycho. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, the the emotional stakes though are so much higher. He is at a he is at a <laughs> an inflection moment about just deciding like what kind of person he wants to be yeah. in the world. It's a corruption of the soul. It, there's this <laughs> the dark night of the soul. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, uh, here's here's my sort of like semi relevant cultural reference. The first season of Flight of the Concords, which the I best. thought was a great, yeah, great, great. Yeah, there's a there's a a moment in like one of the late episodes. There's a, a number that's just called Brett's Angry Dance, which yep. is like a send up of probably Footloose, a loving send up of all kinds of things. I mean, I think especially Footloose, but basically, like there are so many of these moments that you now see. So like. When bet on it starts, I was like, "Oh, he's doing a Brett's angry dance." Brett. This is one of those, and uh, yeah, that is that is like I feel like this this trope of the sort of like angular energy flying out of his body, like guy just throwing himself around a, a relatively empty space. And, uh, it's so hot to me, but also running and leaping. Yeah, that's what's yeah. so sexy is like what you said, Kellen, about the commitment. He's not afraid to like fling his arms out in a way that is like oh, a yeah. stereotypically femme gesture. He's not afraid to just. The last shot is just him running and then occasionally leaping into the air with yeah, gusto. and spinning. Yeah. The sort of spinning jump he does. Oh, my golly. And it's so yeah. sexy. He's so, like, he's so laid low. He's so abandoned. And he's so free. <laughs> okay, this is what I really want to get into as well. Mm-hmm. Because talk about the the slight age difference. Like, I love Zac Efron. I love Zac Efron in this movie. I think he's so charming and cute. But he was not... I think that there's a difference between a 16-year-old celebrity crush and, like, a 12-year-old celebrity crush. Oh, absolutely. And I know this in particular because I recently just watched an interview with Diego Luna. And the way that I was, like, felt like a real, like, it was was a formative crush feeling of, like, I imprinted on this man at just the right time for this to never leave me. That's Viggo Mortensen, yeah don't quite feel with like i i almost feel that with zach but it's slightly different but i'm imagining you were the right age for zach to really be your guy well yes and no caroline (laughs) yes and no the thing is i was so my friend said the other day like she's like i can track the onset of puberty in my friends who like men by whether they were like legolas or aragorn girls and i was obviously an aragorn girl i was an aragorn wolverine girl um and so zach was just like i was was an aragorn cyclops girl (laughs) fascinating okay let's analyze that sometime that is interesting (laughs) yeah yeah i mean great james marsden taste our most underrated we could definitely do a zach james marsden comparison sometime because i feel like two very handsome beautiful men with many talents who hollywood is just like what do we do with you Mm. um but i was very much like zach is too shiny i Mm, in the first okay so in the first movie I had a crush on Ryan in the first movie. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> I was like, Lucas Grabeel's so sexy right now. Love uh, it. Which, like, huh. handsome, handsome, charming man. Um, you know. There's a kindness. For- There's a kindness to him. And he's the most, I think the first movie, he's the most, like, objectively talented. Like, for he sure. comes out he and he can just great. sing and dance his face off. I remember when I went to see Milk, I was so excited because I was like, ooh, my crush Lucas Grabeel is in this movie. Incredible um, sentence. <laughs> But um, so I was very into Ryan. I also had a Corbin Blue soft spot, sure. um, which I stand by to this day. I saw him in um Holiday Inn like <gasps> a couple of years back. I'm so Spent- jealous. Oh my god, he was fantastic. That show did not work, but he's just a little font of charisma and talent, and he's he's doing so good. But um, I, as I said, it really wasn't until something about his chemistry with Leslie Mann in 17 again, I was like, mm, I can be a, I, it's insane chemistry. I, spoilers for what I would say on that episode. It's 
when Matthew Perry comes back, the whole movie dies. But um, <laughs> I really was like, oh, she's a woman and I'm a woman and she likes him. So you this is like okay. You like your 13 or 14-year-old self. Oh, oh I gave that. you permission. He gave me permission wow. to like this shiny boy and I could still not be like the other girls, which, you know, was very important to yeah. me in high school. Um, and I think we'll get into this, but there is a deep, as I said, vulnerability to him. And also that like Edward Cullen thing of like, he's so sexy, but he will never have sex with you. Mm-hmm. He'd There's never, a uh huh. He'd never violate your consent. And mm-hmm. that is just catnip when you're like 16, 17, horny and confused. And you just want someone to be really, really sweet to you. And he, he just exudes sweetness. He um, so yeah, he would be that for sure. Exactly. And so around three, he snuck into my heart like a little tapeworm and he's never left. (laughs) (laughs) My sort of grand unifying theory of Zac Efron is that all of his best roles, maybe the, maybe like the neighbor's comedy side is a different branch, but most of his best roles involve him being in a socially unacceptable romance. Yes. Which includes High School Musical. Yep. It includes Hairspray. It includes The Greatest Showman. And in a way, it includes 17 year again, where it's like, I am an adult, but I'm a teenager, so I'm trying to date an adult woman. This is a strange <laughs> setup. Isn't that movie Paperboy kind of like that? Yes, with Nicole I just, Kidman. Based on the trailer. Paperboy. Yeah. Paperboy. Um, where he pees on Nicole Kidman. Is that what it is? I heard she pees on him. She pees yeah. on him. Um, so somebody proud of pees Zach. on somebody. What a risk taker. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned Hairspray. I can't believe I forgot to say that was also part of this magic bullet for me to the point mm-hmm. where our friend Ann uh, Hollister in college used to send me videos of him just going, and I'm Link, because she knew <laughs> it would make me go into like a full body spasm. And I'm um, Link. Oh, oh, I'm like, <laughs> my palms just started sweating, like I'm blushing. Um, something about Zach in Hairspray. Oh my God, when he's doing his hair in the mirror with the comb. Mm. I, I am sweating. I have to move on. But like that, it was the magic bullet of 17 again, Hairspray. And as you say, the idea that he was for the weird girls. Mm-hmm. That was really big for me. Can I say one thing that is also sort of linked to this? Because I think that it's kind of linked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think that... As a, we've talked a little bit about, you know, sort of like being a teenager in boy culture and me having Mm -hmm. to sort of like release those things. I don't think that I necessarily felt I had cultural permission to like these movies at the time. I mean, there was a, there was an age thing. Uh, as you say, like being 16 when it came out was a little already like, oh, this is a kids movie. This is a Disney Channel movie. Those are, I, I watched those from like, eight to 13 so now i'm kind of like past that i think hairspray is when i felt i had permission to start saying that zach efron was good in a way that Mm. i think you sort of part of boy culture was like this kind of makes me think of uh it's like in bye bye birdie how all the boys are like conrad birdie what's the big deal with him (laughs) you know part of high school boy culture is being like oh these 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 heartthrobs that the girls are all obsessed with are so ridiculous but i think the sort of like more outlandish comedy of hairspray allowed me to be it became more acceptable as a high school boy to say like well this guy this efron guy is pretty funny he's pretty good <laughs> he's got some chops he's got some chops and then i'm just like you know belting without love in the shower but uh, we'll, we'll get to that eventually yes we'll listen very soon. never looked inside yourself though on the outside you look good <laughs> This is not since James Dean, I don't think, Ned. Have we discussed an actor who 
is an immediate phenomenon in the mm. way that Zac Efron was. Like, maybe you don't – kind of people don't remember that as much anymore or it doesn't feel as relevant, but – he was such a an immediate, just like breakout megastar, Huge. yeah. Which is insane that it comes from a Disney Channel original movie, which I feel like they would produce basically like one a month. You know, these would yes. just like they would just kind of always be around. Some would be more popular than others, and maybe Smart it would house. launch you to do something else. But I think that High School Musical did kind of become an unprecedented mega breakout hit launched Zach as a superstar. You know, we get the second installment that I think is still the the most viewed Disney Channel original movie premiere ever. Damn. <laughs> like 10, I think the first one was like watched by 7 million people. And the second one was watched by 17 million people. Jesus. And then you get the third installment that is literally released in movie theaters. It's a theatrically released movie, which again, huh. how often do you have a... <laughs> Two TV movies that then become a third movie that's released in theaters, makes $90 million domestically and like $270 million internationally. Like, it isn't, I think it's hard to overstate how much of a mid to late aughts, like full on phenomenon this was and how much the Zac Efron of it all was sort of key to that entire phenomenon launching. Yeah, you know, part of why I really wanted to come on a Zach episode, in addition to the fact that I love him, is he has a fascinating career um, mm-hmm. because he was, as you say, he was so big. And one of my kind of bugbears, as I mentioned with him and James Marsden, is like, not that he's doing poorly or anything, but like, why isn't this still our biggest movie star? Because I think what's undeniable in these films is he's so talented. He just leaps off the screen quite literally, but like he has, he has that thing and he's really good at what he does. And my, my younger sister, uh, (laughs) I was talking to her about Zach the other day when I was calling to cry about maybe having COVID. And she was like, I remember going to see 17 again and going, this is a sexy movie. Like (laughs) he just has that quality. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is that he and I've I've gone deep in the past couple of days too on like his his personal life and his background. He'll say I was so famous so quickly and it kind of broke my brain. It kind of shattered me. And I he talks about on his Hot Ones interview, which I did watch. Love Hot Ones. Um, <laughs> I famously have IBS, but I think I would do great on Hot Ones. Um, <laughs> he talks about like I went to Leonardo DiCaprio's house for him to give him me advice, and even Leo DiCaprio was like, "This is insane. <laughs> What's happening to you?" And I think part of what has happened with him since is like, he lives in Australia, he doesn't want this, and he's been trying to find a semblance of of normalcy because it it was this kind of almost unprecedented, not unprecedented, but like rare phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like he probably was the defining millennial slash zillennial, the like sort Mm -hmm. of cross between Mm -hmm. Gen Z and and millennial, uh, like the defining heartthrob of that era, yeah. In a way that few people are. <laughs> I would sort of maybe offer Rob Pattinson, but I think he sure. he pushed against that harder and faster against against being a heartthrob and was slightly older maybe when it happened. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah, get yeah. murdered for this, but Zach is a better a- actor than Rob Pattinson Whoa. is. <laughs> and there's a take. I, I stand by it. 
I stand by it. Um, but yeah, and also like I think there was an ire, as you mentioned, Ned, that was stirred in men by Zac Efron that I mm-hmm. think Pattinson didn't get as much. Like the boys in my life were so contemptuous of Zac Efron. Um, he was this real kind of lightning rod at the time. Yeah. I was reading some sort of profiles and interviews of Zach that were written around the time of like, because High School Musical 2 and Hairspray came out a month apart, which also is crazy. Big moment, big moment. <laughs> big moment for little for little Zach. And it was interesting reading these profiles of, I mean, A, it's just insane to sort of read one of those formally written profiles, but they're interviewing a 19-year-old. Yeah, he was so young. He was so young. Those things are honestly always wild in one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's 18 when the first one, when they're making the first one, like 19 around this sort of, if we're we're saying High School Musical 2 and Hairspray is this big breakout moment, he's like 19 around then. And, And a lot of these profiles are trying to get to the heart of like... The mix of, they all describe him as, like, so charismatic and very humble, but also they're hinting at this sort of, like, ambitious, perfectionistic side. Like, one of them Mm -hmm. talked about how the person writing the article and Zach, like, went golfing together, and they could tell that Zach was, like, getting frustrated that he wasn't as good at the golf as he knew he could be, which I found really fascinating that there is this, like, hard-working side to him, and I think actually a real intentionality at least with his early career where like he he did all three high school musicals but there was also a way where i think he was always sort of making slightly different career choices than some of the fellow cast members who went on to sort of like put out pop albums right away that were released by disney but he didn't go down that route and i think he was really looking for other projects like hairspray that would elevate him in a different way and he was supposed to do a footloose remake with kenny ortega but then he was like i i feel like that's gonna really lock me in this one box and i want to do other things so it is interesting to just note that like there are former disney channel like stars like that is its own breed of thing but they kind of stay locked in like the disney Mm -hmm. galaxy like they get launched from one disney project to another thing and it's clear that he was trying to like burst through that that membrane. Yeah. But I mean, there's a story that went kind of viral about on Neighbors, he broke his hand during the fight scene with Dave Franco. And rather than halt production, he basically got them to like emergency surgery him and tape him up so they wouldn't miss any days. Wow. Sounds Tom Cruise-y. You know, I love it. Um, But he he basically, Seth Rogen was like, yeah, this kid just loved to come to work. And like, and also it was clear around that time he was having some like alcohol and drug abuse mm-hmm. problems. I think he had and, got, got sober right before they started filming Neighbors. Yes. And so like he he was pretty open about like I am going – the work is the thing that makes me happy and keeps me sane and I will put 110% of myself into it at all times, um, which I think can be really great. And also as you mentioned with the golf thing, there's something a little potentially mm-hmm. icky and destructive about that kind of ethic. And to go back to something you said earlier, which is actually what made me think of this in the first place, one of the in one of these interviews, he was talking about how one of his friends or some, you know, someone's little brother had said like, oh, there's an I I hate Zac Efron club at my school. So that thing you're talking about, Zoe, where he became this weird lightning rod for like tween heartthrob to the max, like just a man probably surrounded by 10 year olds that are all in love with him anywhere he goes, but then also became this, we also hate you because you're representing girl culture. Honestly, I think a lot of that kind of comes back to that, the cornerstone of that. And what pressure to have on you when you're literally 
18, 19 years old. <laughs> oh my God. Well, and poor, I would give a shout out here as well for Vanessa Hudgens, who like mm-hmm. went through her own ringer. Um, and like I would argue has also kind of gone beyond the Disney machine over time. Um, but like, and their relationship was so scrutinized. Like, yes. they're, like their first little teen relationship, you know, like is all over the co- like cover of every magazine. And then, uh, she obviously had her privacy super violated with like that nude photos thing. Mm-hmm. And I oh. just like, I can't even fathom like what these kids were going through while standing around being like, high school musical, you know, Um, it's pretty wild. Can I also, because I had forgotten about the exact details of this and it made me infuriated again when I reread it. So as you mentioned, he, Vanessa and Zach are a real life couple. They're dating. So that's one aspect of it. She was also part of this thing where celebrities had their photos, including nude photos stolen and then leaked online. This happened before they started the third one. And there was a lot of just like gossip of like, will Disney still allow her to even be in this franchise because Jesus this has Christ. happened. The the like solution they come up with is that she releases an apology in which she apologizes for what? like Forget- she says, what? I want to apologize to my fans whose support and trust means the world to me. I am embarrassed over this situation and regret having ever taken these photos. So that's bad enough that she's forced to apologize. Here is what the goof. Disney Channel original like spokesperson puts out. Vanessa has apologized for what was obviously a lapse in judgment. We hope she has learned a valuable oh, lesson. Get fucked. I'm fucking gagging. I was Ugh. like, I was, I can't tell you the rage that filled me. Re- I remember yeah. this happening, but like rereading it and thinking of, not that things are great culturally right now, but thinking <laughs> sure. about where they were in 2008. Yep. Purity uh, we culture. Hope she's learned a valuable lesson. That I was mean, 2008 that happened? About someone stealing her photos. What the fuck? Oh God! Vanessa. Yuck! Yeah, I mean that's the co- that that's our cultural moment now. We still are like, yeah, sex is evil and it's women's fault. It's sort of essentially yeah. like still the cultural <laughs> consensus that we live within. A hundred percent. I mean, oh. in the movies, a much like more benign version of that is that like every time Troy and Gabriella do kiss or are about to kiss it is the biggest deal in the world it's like (laughs) so verboten and like uh i think i was struck by i was really struck by like not these are like high school movies starring like 18 to 20 year olds but like compared to some other comparable films like the sheer sexlessness of these Mm -hmm. movies is its own aesthetic you know like there is an aesthetic (laughs) of purity that really hovers over these including with ryan the fact that like there's a weird moment in the second movie where his dad is like, Ryan, fix your cap. Ryan, yeah. come on, be a man. And then it kind of like never comes back. And in the third movie, spoiler alert, Ned, Please. they like half-heartedly attempt to maybe pair him up with Kelsey, the pianist. Um, They're together at the end of this movie, right? Yeah. Like, no, no, thumbs down. <laughs> Yeah, but do you I'm not like, feel like they're both gonna again? We're just gonna spoil those, the third one, Ned. I'm so sorry. Yeah, they do characters. end up both getting selected for Juilliard. That was when I cried. Actually, oh, both of them wow. getting selected. Oh my god, yes, I cried when Ryan got accepted. Do you not feel? Do you not feel like they're going to go to Juilliard, try to date for a month, and then both immediately come out? Like yes, absolutely. So that's a lavender marriage of high school. Yeah, yeah. I think they will be perhaps the happiest of anyone. Hundred percent agree, and deservedly uh, so. Yes, because <laughs> Kelsey is a hero. I fucking Kel- love Kelsey so much. <laughs> I I also had a big old crush on Kelsey at the time, but I was like, I don't even 
light girls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Uh, this is circa my period of carrying around the mummy DVD, but hiding it in my bag so that no one would wow. see me looking at Rachel Weiss because then they'd know. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. These are great uh, stories. <laughs> great stories. <laughs> Thanks, Ned. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Kelsey, you know, Kelsey really puts up with a lot of, a lot of shit in these movies and I'm glad she gets to live her dreams at she the end. She gets to thrive. I'm extremely mad that she's like not one of She's not like a poster character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like you get those six people and I'm like, Kelsey is the fucking hero. At least particularly the first one. She's like so long suffering and like doing so much work and being like, you can come over to my house for breakfast if you want to practice this. That was another laugh out loud for me is when she's like, you can find me here most free periods and during biology class. I was like, yeah. (laughs) Mine was when she said, you can come over, but you know, before school, after school, after basketball class. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the, they they very yeah. accurately get the way theater people do not understand sports terms. Yeah, mm-hmm. the same with Miss Darvis is like, posse. oh, you're you're yeah, you're sport. He's like, uh, you're my team. <laughs> like, it's such a basic <laughs> word. Posse. Wait, I want to. Can I quickly uh, take over for Darvis Corner Please. for a oh, second? God. I so. Throughout the movies, I became very, very attached to Mrs. Darbus and, and all of her musicale quirks, mm-hmm. her commitment to saying musicale in particular. Mm-hmm. But one thing I really noticed watching the third movie is she very capably scales down her performance for it's a big an incredible screen. performance she, in HSM scene, 3. It's so good. Oh, There's a good. scene with her and Zach where he does his big scream number, which underrated number. Um, but they then share this very sweet scene where she has a line to him that is, I would I'm paraphrasing, but she says, like, I would think about your future now before in 10 years life might not give you that option. And she says it with such sincerity. I mm-hmm. was like, this woman is performing. And I looked her up. This woman, her name's mm-hmm. Allison Reed, Mrs. Darbus. She won a Tony for playing Sally Bowles on Broadway. She is <gasps> Cassie. She is Cassie in the Chorus Line movie. She is the real deal. What? And so, like, yeah, oh she's amazing. Gosh. I watched oh so gosh. many YouTube videos of her. She's a huge talent. She can dance, obviously. She's Cassie. She can dance her fucking face off. And I was like, you know what? I think that scene came from her heart, and it was her mm-hmm. talking to Zach. I really wow. do. Oh my there- gosh. I love this. I love this interpretation. I'm also just looking at pictures of Cassie from the Chorus Line movie, a movie I have seen, and I'm like, OMG, it's Mrs. Darbus. Mrs. This Darbus. is nice to hear about number three, because after number one, at, at the start of HSM 2, when she comes in, I was like, no, I, I can't really handle <laughs> anymore Mrs. Deal. Darbus. Yeah, she gets replaced by uh, Fenton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't really handle any more of him either. <laughs> Oh my god, I was over. No shade to Fenton, but I was like, this man is stinking up my Enough. screen. Get, get out of here, man. I mean, these are these are the characters as written. Darbus in number one and Fenton in number two are like they're yeah. they're insufferable. I, I think they feel the most Disney Channel. I would say yes, because yes. also Troy's dad um, is another one who in the first movie goes really big, mm-hmm. adjusts a bit in the second, and then is legitimately pretty good in the third. Nice. And I, I looked him up as well, and he's just like every TV show he's been on it once. You know, every like yeah. Hallmark movie. He's done it. I believe. And I was Another like, yeah. actor who I think really is still living off the like a lot of TikToks, high school musical yeah. theme TikToks, a lot of like really? if if Zach is posted a high school musical related thing, he's like, That's my son, let me react <laughs> to this. Like a lot like, he's living large off high school musical. Okay, let me try to sum up my ranking of the three, and then maybe that could be our... Let me sum up. (laughs) Let me sum up. I feel like I truly... My brain is having, like, an overload of so many things I want to discuss that I'm... (laughs) So I think one... One, to me, is the purest, and in that sense, the best. Like, the most most essential high school musical. Mm. Um, I think two 
is my least favorite, <gasps> but has the best music. I agree. And it's undeniable that there are elements of two that are just crucial. Like, you need two. I couldn't say skip two because you need bet on it. You need fabulous. You need these cornerstones. But I think it's kind of like if it's comparable to uh, the first Avengers being like a perfect movie, that is High School Musical. Avengers Age of Ultron, like not a perfect movie, but it's amazing moments and you need it. That is High School Musical 2. Yeah. And you get the part where you get the part where Vision picks up Wanda and exactly. that's worth the whole and, movie for me. Right. And that <laughs> is bet on it. High School Musical 2 is not Age of Ultron, Caroline. That is slander. <laughs> okay. Well, then to wrap up this thought, I think. High School Musical 3, senior year, is, like, the end game of the franchise. I think it sticks the landing so well, like, shockingly well for just what this franchise is. And the leap in production values, it's got a theatrical Uh, budget. It's shocking to look at. Just visually, it's like, So I watched 3 and then went back to rewatch 1 just because that felt normal to me. And (laughs) it is jarring to go that direction. But if you go where they're increasing, it's very satisfying. And what... I think three has the weakest music. I don't think yeah, the songs in there stick out to me, but the staging is unreal. Like cool. Kenny Ortega, my love Kenny Ortega, choreographer of Dirty Dancing, choreographer yeah. of Pretty in Pink, director of Newsies, director of Hocus Pocus, like Kick truly ass. more girl culture, like multiple generations of girl culture. The Descendants franchise, which I think is, oh, is big for the, the people slightly younger than us. All I know is that there's a there's a cute Captain Hook in it. I follow cute oh, Captain sure. Hooks. You'll do anything for sure. a cute Captain <laughs> Hook, Zoe. I, I keep tabs on them. Kenny Ortega directed the incredible and unjustly canceled Netflix original series, Julie and the Phantoms, which he did. captures I didn't the know High that. School Musical vibe better than High School Musical, the musical, the series. Has openly and openly gay, two openly gay characters that are dating that like made me so happy that Kenny finally got to put this into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way Kenny seizes his moment with High School Musical 3 and stages these numbers that I think are truly better than any movie musical we've gotten <laughs> since yeah. then. I, I mean, was like... Why has Ken- why is Kenny Ortega not directing every movie musical that has come out? When I read that he was supposed to direct In the Heights, and instead we got the old Navy commercial direction say, of John M. Chu. I was just about to say, instead John M. Chu is where Kenny Ortega should be. I yeah. agree. I mean, and I'm the rooting thing- for John M. Chu, and I don't think he. I think that there are good things about In the Heights, but I really was thinking like, are there Kenny Ortega's <laughs> In the Heights? Like, what would that have been? <laughs> I think all the time since I've watched it, like literally every hour it hits me of when in Now or Never, all the seats fold down and then Vanessa Hudgens stands from the crowd in a spotlight and goes, try! And then he goes, make me strong. (laughs) It's incredible. The staging of what's the, what's the, um, the prom number? No, the prom number. They're all so so good. good. No, I was going to say the Ryan and Sharpay. I want it all. I want it. Together. I was watching that and it's like, it's one of those things where it's like halfway through, you're like, this is awesome. And then it like gets to the bridge and it starts ramping up and I'm like, it's still going. Uh, it's still getting better. It. And I, then it I, becomes like I a Fosse homage. Yes. Wow. I was like, this is the greatest thing. This is the greatest piece of okay. musical staging. Like, Spoiler alert. Ever. That is my single, that is my single favorite number in the whole franchise. It's so like, good. gun to my head, I have to pick one. It's, that is the one where I, confession, I still listen to it when I need a boost. Like, oh, I, I listen to it on the bus, on the tube. Like, the, the degree to which I will just randomly watch a high school musical number, like, probably <laughs> once a month. For me, it is, 
I mean, obviously the classics, Break and Free, we're mm-hmm. all in this together. But mm-hmm. for me, it's the the um, Can I Have This Dance from the third one, the little rooftop dance. That's like, oh, I've been working for a couple hours. I need a break. Okay, I'll watch this <laughs> rooftop dance scene yeah. where the dancing is like good, but could be better if there were slightly more trained dancers. But I find it so charming. Yeah. Well, they're in love. I mean, not to go back to the the tabloid of it all, but like, I do think you can feel that they're in love. I, I think there's a real sweetness between the two of them, between, just to clarify, between Zach and Vanessa, mm-hmm. um, that like, they clearly knew was there and they were like, we got to bottle this and sell it. Um, but it also feels very genuine. When did they start dating? I think Seems it was between unclear. two and three. Yeah. I think it might be. Some say that they. Some say. <laughs> some <laughs> the legend says. In some of the articles I was reading, it was like, oh, they met and started dating at the first one. Some were saying it seemed. I think they were first photographed together, like on a vacation, kissing right after the second one. Yeah. But I feel like I don't know if you guys feel this way. I don't know if this is weird to say. They have such a sexual chemistry in the second one that they don't have in the first one and that I think transitions into something else in the third one. But I find it like almost overwhelming for what this franchise is. And I was Caroline, like, I'm they so had glad you have been hooking first. up on I'm this so glad movie. You said it first. I'm glad I'm not alone. I was literally sitting here. I was like, these teens are fucking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 100%. It's so clear. And I'm it might so just be because they're like in bathing suits and shirtless. But every time I watch the second one, I'm like, this is almost uncomfortable for no. For he's what looking this, at her. Yeah. He looks at her like he wants to eat her. Like, he is, <laughs> he is fucking her. And, yeah. and by the third one, they've reined it in a little bit. In the third things. one, they can return to the, the like, innocence of the first one. But in the second one, it cannot be contained. Maybe yep. they maybe they were, like, into each other, but they, like, hadn't had sex yet. And that was just, like... Maybe like, there was. Ooh. Maybe that is what was driving it. I like mm. that. Uh, this, I, I don't know if this is too lurid to be just saying that <laughs> sentence about these high school musical stars. These teens. I mean, it's, it is though like I think when you do have sex for the first time when you're quite young, it is that energy of like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And like, I, I think that is the specific – it is like innocent sexual energy. It's mm-hmm. just like – it is the intensity of like the first person you really, really want who you're like, maybe they want me back. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and again, Zach just like all but leering. Um, but it's through the lens of Zach Efron, you know, so it can't, yes, it's not creepy. It's a safe leering. It's yes. classical, you know, it feels, it feels like, you know, there, there is a like a 60 year old like cinematic style sort of like yes. charming romance to that. James Dean, as you said, it's like uh, when you were talking about James Dean with his unbuttoned shirt and the fact that like nothing's happening and yet, you know, so it's much <laughs> so much is happening. Yeah. I was uh, trying to think of like what, why Zach pops the way he does. And I think he is synthesizing many different types that have existed across yes. Hollywood. I think that's like a great to place. me, he's one part Tom Cruise. Like I do see some of that energy there. Mm-hmm. But he's also Freddie Prince Jr. Mm-hmm. Heath Ledger in Ten Things I Hate About You. But he is also like a, a Bobby Darren or a or a or a Frankie Avalon. Like he has this 1950s innocence to him, yeah. which mm-hmm. I think is why he's so effective in Hairspray and why he's so fitting for High School Musical. Like he is sort of somehow. Every era's teen idol rolled into one person. Yeah. In a way that feels so singular. And once they start putting him in suits and things like Hairspray and Greatest Showman, you're like, ooh, this this clicks. This dude has, oh. he has like cross-generational They put him in a suit. On. 
Ned, they put him in a suit in High School Musical 3, and his mom gets really horny about it, and it's a weird beat. (laughs) He kind of comes home and, like, shows her the suit. Like, oh, aren't you excited I bought this? And it's very... She, like, paused him a little bit. (laughs) Uh, um, But then he appears, like, in... Uh, he loves an older woman. Um, <laughs> Hopefully not his own mother. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just mean in, in his screen context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, uh, and, and even like the Harry Styles thing, you know, he was, he was looking into the future. He's got some Harry in him. I think mm-hmm. that like, I get really obsessed as a filmmaker with the concept of like what makes a movie star because I think it's like one third talent, one third the moment, and then one third that ineffable thing. That, that dog. That that dog in them. <laughs> the X Factor. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think, as you say, like, 18-year-old Zach is not standing there being like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to synthesize these generations, <laughs> you know, of masculine appeal and filter it. But that it's is that it. is his X Factor. He just has that. And, like, I, I think that also fosters what I would say is the fourth of my thirds um, in the movie star combo, which is an immediate intimacy with the camera that mm. cannot be taught. Mm. It's... We just feel close to him. I would say, I think that that thing you're talking about is something that, at least in number one and two, he has in a way that no one else on screen Absolutely. I mean, as much as, like, there are are situations where, like, the white guy is going to be elevated from the cast and no one else will... Like, mm-hmm. that happens in a lot of franchises. We see that. It actually sort of, like, weirdly parallels the plot of High School Musical 2. Yes. <laughs> but... But also, I think you can see the the potentiality for movie stardom in him that isn't really there with the other people in terms of like, yeah, just like confidence on screen. And it's it's stronger by the time you're in High School Musical 2, where he, I think, has and like... even stronger by High School Musical 2. I'll take your word for it. I believe Dude, it. The last thing about 3, because I feel bad. I'm like, Ned, this movie. No, but no. The first please. shot, they know, they know what they have. The very first shot of High School Musical 3 is Zac Efron covered in sweat, looking down, and then flipping his hair and eyeballing directly into the camera in close-up. And you're like, they fucking knew. They knew what they had. Ortega understood what he had on his hands. Yep. And uh, I think that, as you say, it's just – it's not that – it's fascinating actually as like a metatheatrical commentary because you look at someone like Ashley Tisdale who is objectively so talented Mm -hmm. and giving it her all and unfortunately like – she just isn't Zac Efron, no shade to Ashley Tisdale. And that's, isn't that Sharpay's struggle, you know? Yeah, true, true. <laughs> God. There's a certain, I think a big part of Zac's appeal is his physicality, which yeah. on the one hand does feel slightly studied. Like you, I always feel like he knows like what makes him look good. He's like, if I lean a little bit, I'm going to look cool. Like there is a sense of knowing about it, but it's somehow he can play it off as so organic and it's this mix of like pantomime like disney channel pantomime but then authentic teenage boy energy that is so compelling mixed together caroline the phrase disney channel pantomime just hit me (laughs) on a level that is the aesthetic well that's ashley tisdale's that's ashley tisdale's like entire vibe yeah yeah but yeah i know exactly what you mean i think the other reason he can pull that off is his comedic timing is Mm -hmm. so naturally good yes that he lives in that self-aware place very comfortably where he's both inside the role and commenting on the role almost without meaning to and he can land those jokes so easily with that kind of gullible himbo energy. He's mm-hmm. He's got these moments. I was just was noting them more in two. They might be in number one as well. But these little moments where they'll let the camera linger on him to like 
Like the bit where what's his name? Fenton Fulton, the guy the Fenton? The, the manager <laughs> yeah. kinda like he tell he says, uh not not inspiration, but perspiration. He like spits and Zach just kinda does this like mm-hmm. this like uh-huh. wipe spit off his face and all the times when he's being pulled into some sort of like Sharpay antic and he's doing his like Sharpay signature antic. comic bit, which is this look of like, what is going on right now? What am I doing? Yeah. You it's could like just Jim see. from The Office, but without looking at the camera. But it's yes, that totally. same energy. Yeah, it's without the exact being John that... Krasinski, who's yeah, not a movie star. Totally see people. You can just totally see people being like, "Okay, this guy. We can get this guy comedy vehicles in a way where other people have those same moments scripted into. You know, like Ryan has some of those, but like there's just not quite. He just doesn't like. I don't know. Click into those camera lingers comedy moments in the same way i really think you captured that look very well by the way i know it's again not a visual medium but i think you you just did a really good zach efron impression he does it a lot (laughs) like sort of like sitting in the gigantic uh like stone chair looking around like what am i doing here (laughs) yes the the plot of two is is that he turns into a gigolo like the Mm -hmm. plot is essentially that sharpay is like i will give you favors for sexual interest and for well, a while to be he's honest like, that's also dirty dancing like two is just mm. dirty dancing but with a because s- that's also patrick swayze's arc and dirty dancing is yeah. him realizing like i've been i've been roped into a world of corruption and i need a good woman to pull me out of it and mm-hmm. i feel like kenny looked back on that and thought i need to give this arc too yes in the same yeah. way that kenny was like greece was good we can do mm-hmm. greece with number one <laughs> he's like dirty dancing was good i think we could just do dirty dancing quite well so the yeah. other secret sauce, I think, in Zach being a breakout star mm-hmm. is the role of Troy Bolton as it is written, which yeah. I think is almost underrated for how good an original it is. Because for as much as High School Musical 1 is just Greece, it's like two people meet on vacation, there are certain people on vacation, oh no, she's going to his school, and yeah. how are they going to fit in, in the, their in social the groups? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in Greece, <clears throat> A, Danny Zuko's a little bit more of a jerk, and he has to have an arc about that. Totally. And there's an mm. element of both of the love interests sort of have to change for each other. Whereas in High School Musical... Actually, Troy and Gabriella do not need to change. They are perfect <laughs> as they are. The world needs to change to accommodate them. Wow. Which I think is a great, like, yeah. setup for a movie. And also le- leans into this idea of Troy Bolton as, I think he solidifies this brand of kind jock that I don't think yes, had ever Caroline. been solidified like this. Like, I think we have, we had had, you obviously have, like, bully jocks. You have himbo jocks, which is a little more like what you get from Finn from Glee. You have, like, kind of golden boy jocks, but there's an element of, like, entitlement to that, even if they're nice. Mm-hmm. And then you have Troy Bolton, who is just so kind just like, learning lessons and trying to do the best thing he can yeah, yeah. he is not na- like his natural instinct is to be kind and lift up kelsey like he's maybe he's a little bit out of it because he's just used to being in the basketball world but he's not entitled and arrogant he is just a kind person who wants to play basketball and do theater and, and then feels very anxious that he's letting his team down and so well you know it's just like so it just taps into something that I think had not been nailed down this way before, but is is so real and is something I like I had a Troy Bolton at my high school. Like this is a type that exists and I feel like yeah. this movie nailed it in a way that had quite it hadn't been identified like this before. I'm getting a little emotional um hearing <laughs> you talk about Troy this way. But no, I I actually like last Hunger Games 
uh, sidebar, but I think there, people don't realize, probably not, there (laughs) is, there is a huge appetite for kind men. Like Mm -hmm. that's PETA. PETA is just so kind. And I think when you're, especially, you know, this tends to be associated with teenage girls, but like there is something so appealing about this prospect of like, you can trust him and he just wants to do what's best. And his love for you is never in question. And that their dramatic states basically don't from, don't come from anxiety and the idea that, you know, he might bolt on, um, they come from, they come from how do we exist in a world that is antithetical to kindness? Mm-hmm. Um, which is really amazing. And, and as you say, so many people are Troys in real life and it, it had not been channeled. Um, and it's so immediately appealing. It is one of my go-to references in like all of my I'll be right like I'll be like oh the appeal of Chris Evans is that he is like Troy Bolton energy right like this is just a type <laughs> Steve, that Steve exists. Rogers yeah, kind totally yeah. I was kind, thinking kind. Of Steve yeah. Rogers yeah. when you're talking yeah. about that yeah yeah and I think it's I mean you just reminded me of the moment when he gives Kelsey the game ball at the end of number one which oh, is like so one of my cute. favorite moments in there <laughs> he's, she's the playmaker she's yeah playmaker. that part where he's like you're the playmaker is and even and Gabriella knows she's like the 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 way you are with Kelsey. Do your friends know that side of you, Troy? Yeah. <laughs> I will say Hudgens. I feel very aware. Not to cut you off, Ned. Um, it, I feel very aware of her being like seventeen years old in that first movie. Like she's doing work, but she is like she is a child, and it is very clear that she is a child. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ned. What were you going to say? I, I jumped in. Oh, I was just going to say that I think that. So for me, the ranking of the two that I've seen is mm-hmm. two is best than one. And I think it's not just because they become more confident. I think that's actually the main reason. But this was making me think about what they do with the Troy character in number two. And starting from a base of kindness is basically like, if the first movie is about like homophobia, then the second one to me felt like it was about white privilege and like a guy yeah. having to like realize that he had privilege. Now it's set up, <laughs> yeah. it's set up through this device of Sharpay wants to like do everything for Troy because she wants to steal Troy for like Gaston reasons where she's like, he's the best and don't I deserve the best. <laughs> but then Incredible Sharpay comparison. as female Gaston, as she the kinda, female Gaston archetype totally. is very accurate. And just like Gaston, she's basically been told that she deserves everything her whole life. So understandably mm-hmm. she believes it. But then so so basically, like, that's the plot reason. But essentially, it's like, this white guy has been picked out of his, like, equally deserving peers. And mm-hmm. they're like, come sit at the country club table. Come be with us at college. And that scene where he's like, oh, my, my teammates stole the ball for that. And uh, I just want to talk about High School Musical, too. I think you can sort of tell that it, it just had more of an impact. But, but him just sort yeah. of navigating, like, what do I do when I'm offered a privileged position? Can I just say that, like... I'm going to do the best I can and like accept it. And like people, they invited me to the place, but, or do I have to like be, do I have to like wield that ethically? It's like a great, it's a great privilege movie. It's a great moral dilemma. And like, do I turn down these opportunities? You know, he, Mm -hmm. one of the great ironies of two to me is how much they talk about like, my parents can't pay for college. And I'm like, you live in the nicest house I've ever seen. Um, (laughs) I do not believe Troy as well. Troy is rich. Like it just, in my bones, I feel like Troy is a rich person. I don't buy him as this, I need a scholarship kid. But Mr. Bolton is obviously a republican so he's always told troy yes. that like they need to like <laughs> seize their opportunities so that's a great he's a bootstraps truther. he's a bootstrap guy mr bolton oh has always God. been like you know you got to look out for yourself we don't have everything in this world yeah his dad is so toxic because <laughs> they don't literally own the country club yeah. the part in two 
We're, so they're at the country club, and Troy's being introduced to all of these U of A basketball players, and his friends are the waiters there, and Chad comes over with his burger. That's what and I was And Troy say, goes, yeah. he's like, oh, I forgot. And Chad thinks that he's going to then be like, oh, this is my friend Chad. Like, he also plays basketball I'll introduce you. And he just goes, oh, I ordered Swiss on my burger, and hands it. It was gutting. That <laughs> yeah. I was like, that killer. was shocking and, like, yeah. so accurate. And their yeah. fight is genuinely tense after where Chad's like, Oh, because you you think you're better than us. And Troy's like, that's not what I was going to say. And he maybe was going to say that, you know, like it's this really, and it works again on a metatextual level because Corbin Blue is so talented. Mm-hmm. It, again, I don't dance is one of the highlight numbers for me. I think with two, two is my favorite. I would agree. I think the book is, is weaker than one, but I think the numbers are better. Um, but I don't dance is so good. Great He's right there being every bit the great basketball star singer dancer that Troy is. And mm-hmm. no one's giving him any credit for that. Yeah. Um, and similarly, Corbin Blue is like doing very well. But like, mm-hmm. as you say, Ned, you know, we can give a lot of credit to Zach for all his natural pop and zing. But like, it is often the white boy who breaks out of the franchise. And High School Musical 2 is aware. It's self-aware. Well, and it's interesting because that was happening in real life, right? Like, yeah, Zach exactly. is the one that went off and made a big budget hairspray movie, whereas the other kids went on High School Musical the tour and put yep. out little Disney Channel pop albums. So it is interesting to make two be like, Zach Efron, you are you are getting too big for your boots. You belong. You are just like us in High School yeah. Musical. Like you will come back to Disney Channel and do another one of these movies, yeah. and the movie will be about putting you in your place and you realizing you were wrong for trying to <laughs> trying to have a bigger career. I do you think yeah, that but- you're right that there is a real self awareness to these films? Like they really know like what they're doing and where they exist, and and they do some very interesting things from those positions. And I do think just that self awareness like gets lost i mean i think like i think one of the things that really struck me is one of the things you pick up from cultural osmosis is you're like people doing i mean probably not tweets at the time but like parallel ironic comments about like oh and there's this like brother and sister that always play like <laughs> like lovers in the music like they always play the they did romeo the and juliet they say yeah yeah, like, yeah. they're like <laughs> That's such a weird ass part of these movies, it, and they talk about it in this way, like like the movies don't like the know movie doesn't weird, know the movie knows exactly how fucking yeah. like weird and out of touch and like racist and like bizarre Ryan and Sharpay are. It's it's just like it's one of those things where you like you watch it, you're like, oh wait, why do people talk about this like it's a mistake the movie made when it's mm-hmm. clearly something. because people assume if something is aimed at girls yes. that it has yes. to be no it can't be yeah. self aware or funny in that way. It has to be aiming for a genuineness yeah this is like kind of a series we've got going in roll calling there's like a bunch of episodes that we could sort of like tie into this continuing discussion of reclaiming broad cultural misrepresentation of things that are targeted to yeah women particularly young women i do think if i have a critique of the third one i think the third one is actually earnest in a way the other two aren't like i think it does lose a little bit of the comedic self-awareness which to me feels earned because i've like invested time with all of these characters and i'm like i'll just watch them earnestly put on a musical which ned in the third one the musical they decide to put on is a is an original musical just like about their senior year in which they are all ostensibly playing themselves Uh yeah (laughs) except at one point Gabriella thinks she won't be able to make it for the show. So they recast Sharpay from her role as Sharpay to play Gabriella and then have an understudy play Sharpay. And what I think is low key one of the most insane 
Yes. And then Sharpay actually ends up wanting to play Sharpay, so she has to battle her understudy for ownership to her identity. That sounds like a very uh, Sharpay kind of plot. Incredible stuff. Who, to bring it all together, the understudy is British. So that's, of that's course, right. why we end up Zoe on. <laughs> and she apparently went to Lambda as a high schooler. Incredible. <laughs> um, a real rising great. star. I think. Yeah, so I think the third one is is earnest in a way that maybe only really works if you were the right age to have watched these kind of in real time. I don't mm-hmm. know how the earnestness yeah. would fully play. But I think the the second one is actually the then the most comedic and the most self-aware and the most goofy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I also think there's a certain appeal in that. I just think the third, the, the second one, I don't like how Gabriella is so sidelined. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. really is a She's Troy not really Sharpay a character. Movie. Yeah. And they lose her being a nerd, yeah. Which I really love that she's the the freaky math, the girl. freaky genius girl, yeah. And that she in the third one goes to Stanford. Like I like I like Gabriella as like nerd representation, and in the second one she just feels very much like generic hot girlfriend. There's yeah, she's really got nothing going on in that movie. It's true. Yeah, I think I was okay with it because as a teen I like loathed Gabriella. I was so <laughs> oh. I, think I really I had a complex about her, and I think it was because I was a an ambitious theater girl mm-hmm. with blonde hair. And so I felt a natural antipathy towards this like hot little brunette who just showed up and got the lead with no effort and a squeaky little voice. Um, and <laughs> over the years, I've come to recognize that like, again, Hudgens is very young too, that like she actually, I think if anyone pops besides Zach, it is her. Uh-huh. Like there is, there is a certain charisma to her that is already present. Um, but I think I, and I also was like, I was a genuine dork and I was like, this girl's too pretty to be yeah. a nerd. Um, so yeah, I was very much like the second movie was my jam because I was like, yeah, get rid of her. <laughs> get her out of here. <laughs> well, there is a weird, and this is not uncommon in, theater things aimed at normal people where they want you to root against the theater person. Yes, this I is think the Smash this, principle. I was about to say, <laughs> Smash, yeah. You see this maybe a little bit less in Glee. Glee actually realized, like, we want to root for the Rachel Berry, like, we, who is yeah. essentially just like Sharpay, but a little more, like, focused in her energy, <laughs> which I think was a smart thing for Glee to do. But it is weird that the setup of High School Musical is, like, Ryan and Sharpay have dedicated their entire life to this. Yeah, they care and, so But actually, much. they don't deserve it. And people who don't care or have any, like, dedication to this should get the leads. It would be like if they made a movie where Sharpay or where Ryan became the star basketball player, but had no basketball skills and no interest in being on the basketball team. But it was like, well, you just got it. Now you're our captain and you'll, and you'll lead I us. Think- like, there is a weird setting aside of the theater kid that is, like... I could see how that would. <laughs> it annoyed me as the yes, drama club. Pre- as the drama kids. club president, I mm-hmm. felt targeted. Same. I had not thought about the fact. I, I somehow it went right over my head the dynamic that the whole point is like the theater, like it's two non-theater people who end up getting it. I kind of forgot about that because I just focused on Sharpay and Ryan being like <laughs> basically her being like a psychopath and him being her enabler. <laughs> She is the wildest character. I Walking it back, I was like, okay, let's unpack this. Like, she's rich and popular, but she has no friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never speaks to anyone who's not her brother. She also loves theater, but only like a maximalist, sherified, huge version of theater. <laughs> yeah. And four, she's like strong Republican vibes. Like, <laughs> For sure. Um, it's the weirdest character. I, I really don't know what to make of her. And I, I think that's part of why I enjoy her so much and think she's like kind of genuinely camp is that 
she's just an amalgamation of like poses and ticks and types. And they kind of threw it in a soup and said, Ashley, go. She's like evil Elle Woods. Like if Lisa yeah. Bond is like, this type exists, but they could be good. And <laughs> High School yeah. Musical is like, this type exists and you can root for them and they are amazing, but also they're not <laughs> good. Yeah, she's yeah. never redeemed. There is never a redemption arc for Sharpay. Just at the end of every movie, she gets a little shamefaced and is like, we are all in this together. For does, like she five just, does she just relapse in number three? Spoiler yes. alert, like, yeah. yes. It's kind <laughs> like, of similar to two, where she'll just, like, be her own, her Sharpay self, and then at the end, like Zoe's saying, there's a moment of, like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I can't get into Juilliard, but that's okay. I'm going to come I'll back. I'll be in the final number. Yeah. I didn't need that scholarship. Department. Yeah, I'm so rich. It's fine. Yeah. Um, she I, also – oh, go ahead, Carolyn. Well, I was just going to say, in terms of the, like, anti-theater kid perspective, which I do think kind of exists in one, but I will give the franchise credit for over the course of all three – they elevate Kelsey as, like, actual true mm-hmm. theater kid. Like, yes. freaking writing original musicals for the yes. school. Are you kidding me? And they really redeem Ryan. So yes. Ryan is, like, he has the same manic theater kid energy as Sharpay to start with. But then he's able to harness it in this lovely arc that actually does make me very emotional, where he mm-hmm. becomes, like, the choreographer for the musical and becomes and the this director. wonderful. And the director. Yeah. And, like, the, this wonderful, like, collaborative team player. In a way that I think you could say, Sharpay is not authentic in her love of theater. She is, like, authentic in her love of herself. And when she's she goes a, on she's to a do megalomaniac. a number... <laughs> she yeah. is. She's a sociopathic yeah. narcissist. <laughs> like. And when she goes on to do a number, like, she's not in character. She's, like, performing like she's on American Idol. And so yeah. she is, like, if she has a crime, it is being an inauthentic theater kid. And we mm-hmm. have now reclaimed Ryan and Kelsey <laughs> as our true theater kids. And Respect. I can rest easy with that perspective by the third one. Yeah, that's why I cried when Ryan got into Juilliard. It's so I was moving. Like, it's genuinely I, so moving. <laughs> I think I identify with Ryan. I think maybe my crush came from a place of like You're, true identification. I, I, cannot, I can't explain how much your crush on Lucas Grubiel is so charming to me. <laughs> I think it was like a, do I want to be him or be with him? You know, I hundred percent. And talk about like a safe feeling. Yeah, like if Troy is safe, <laughs> Lucas is just like Ryan is just like the safest little. It's like maybe cuddly. I don't want to be touched. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, <laughs> yeah. I took a note at some point in here. I wrote Ryan is an alien. This was before. This is in number two. I think before he has his like before I don't dance, which is kind of like. Mm-hmm. To me, the really unexpected, like, turning point of his character towards, like, being yeah. on an interesting cross-cultural, like, redemption arc. It was just sometime in the middle of their, like, uh, pineapple fish number. And I was like, this guy is just, he's just sort of bizarre to me. Yeah. Let's talk about, they did delete that. I was going to say. Because it's so racist. No. So what the, 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 what the exact arc is that it was like a deleted scene from the original bro- it was did not air in the original broadcast it was like really? a whatever a scene they cut a deleted scene that was on the dvd and now has been put back into the version that's on disney plus i know this because i was so i like feel like i just have the first one completely memorized two mm-hmm. i knew a little bit less but that song started and i was like i have never seen this before i know in my about, bones that i have never uh, seen this we're before. talking about humu humu in the Huma second Huma one Nuka, Nuka, not, yeah, not the yeah. what's okay what's the what's their um spanish number in the first one bob to the top uh, bob to the top where are they, they keep being like <laughs> to me those are of a piece sure. i love them i think that is so funny to me Again, I would call it a thing where I'm like, I think those numbers are racist, but in a way where like the movie knows like, yes, it is inappropriate. America is full <laughs> yeah. of like blonde musical theater people being like, who do South Pacific? Yes, yeah, yeah. yes, exactly. And like, yeah, they're out there, and let's represent them. That is a part of this character. That is why they sort of function as antagonists. 
I say keep them in. My camp did once on this island one year, and I was like so bummed I wasn't cast as T Moon over Julia Finkelstein, who was cast as T Moon. Everyone in the production was probably white. neither yeah. of you should have been. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. it was a I bad also, hang. I like with Bop to the Top that it's unclear whether Kelsey has written whether the Spanish language components are a part of Kelsey's composition or whether Ryan and Sharpay just decided that that would fit the number and Ryan did it as a Latin number. Yeah, I mean, we see them sort of like reinterpret Kelsey's Mm -hmm. compositions as these like major pop productions on a number of occasions. So I think we can blame them for this. I was going to say, okay, talk about songs that you, okay, you are the music in me, incredible as a duet, Mm -hmm. and then somehow even better when Sharpay does it as her standalone rock number. I would not say better, IMO. I don't know. I I will just agree that I think it's amazing that they, like, give that song two lives, and it's such a funny commentary on, like, Sharpay's, like, cultural influence. But (laughs) you think it's better the second time around? I've only listened to them both once. I just love, I don't know, I just love that song, and I'm so impressed it can work in both versions, at least equally well. Yes. This is a point I want to get into, is, like, the music is so good! Mm Mm-hmm. It has no right to be this good. And like, I had this amazing moment where I was in the kitchen, um, just bopping around and my flatmate who has COVID was like on the other side of the kitchen, bopping around. And I quietly to myself was like, you are the music in me. And she goes, na, 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 na. And I was like, oh, right. The cultural osmosis of this. My flatmate is from New Zealand. Like, it's just, wow. it's the music was just kind of, I think, undeniable. And an underrated part of the phenomenon, I think, is that they were such hummable little pop hooks so you know catchy what are some favorites that you guys want to that stick in your head the most zoe's like looks like she's ready to pop over there i know i'm really overwhelmed i'm thinking you go I first know. ned well I, I, i'll go first because i've had the shortest relationship with these things so a <laughs> lot of them have not like stuck you know when you first watch a musical like you're only going to be able to even conjure up like half of them i'll say which ones had you like hurt had you heard We're all in this together, definitely. Stick to the status quo, I've heard. And that might be it. Mm -hmm. Um, You hadn't heard We're Breaking Free? No. Is that soaring? Yeah. Yeah. That one's great. I hadn't heard it. That is a top one for me. So stick to the status quo. Bet on it. I'm on the fence about I Don't Dance because I would say that number like really works in spite of itself. Like it doesn't really make sense what's going on there. It's like a little incoherent. It's like they're playing baseball, baseball. dancing, same game. <laughs> they're playing baseball, but Corbett is saying I don't dance, but dancing, but it doesn't really make sense to me, but it's so compelling and also the dancing is so good. Mm-hmm. And the sound of it. The sound is right, even though the lyrics are like, I'm not quite sure what this <laughs> what this means. Those are my initial highlights. Hit it out of the park. An underrated one for me. I love Work It Out. Work This I Out. Too. Ooh, the staging oh, is so great. good. You're right. Yeah. Like, that talk rules. about the way Kenny Ortega is like, I am going to give you this old school, just a shot where you can see all their bodies and you are just going to appreciate the dancing and we're not going to cut it to death and we're not going to do a million close-ups and we're going to do this thing where like, the choreography, it's like the opposite of what In the Heights does, where it sometimes felt like the staging and the music were in opposition. Like in Work This Out, you know, he's Troy's like, hey, guys, we can all work in, work together and like make this. We'll be happy doing this. And so like he does a little dance move in the middle. And then his friends, as they get into it, like start copying the dance move. And that yeah. becomes the language for they're the ones that are on board. And I'm like, this is musical theater fundamentals that too few movie musical directors are leaning on yeah and then you get a stomp style percussion oh, yeah, montage which is just like it. always extremely fun 
That number was my biggest surprise on a rewatch. That was mm-hmm. the one that like snuck up on me. I also want to say before I forget, Caroline, thank you for making the point about like there's choreographing, choreo- choreographing, there's staging and there's shooting and there's cutting. Mm-hmm. And what makes a movie musical mm-hmm. so uniquely impossible is you need – you're asking someone to have knowledge of all four of these elements at mm-hmm. the same time. And uh, – that's why I, I spoiler alert, uh, except for the fact that Ansel Elgort is a predator and a shit. Uh, I ride very hard for the West Side Story remake, mm. the Spielberg one, because I think he'll talk about that he used to get himself on a little wheelie chair and hold up a camera and they would wheel him amongst the dancers with his iPhone so he could get every single angle on the action so he could see what every single movement looked like at every aspect of the camera. Like his prep was so focused on how do I translate this to the screen in a way that is thrilling in both media? Who's he here? Spielberg? Oh, Steven Spielberg. Sorry. Okay, My best friend, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Stevie. He was very focused on how do I honor both aspects of this? And I think very few directors are conscious of that. And also even fewer actually have the specific skill set to pull that off. And you know what? Kenny Ortega has the skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it, it probably it helps that he himself was the choreographer for a lot of this, which I also yep. think is a it's a combo you used to get more in like the Fossey. golden age of musicals. Yeah, but it, less so nowadays. And I think the fact that he has both those skill sets, I think Kenny Ortega got his start like a little bit under like a, Gene Kelly was a little bit of his mentor. So he is kind of bringing some of that like golden age musical knowledge. And then I think can really fuse the dancing and the, I mean, again, it's not like the cinematography of these films is incredible, but I it's think not what Janusz he's working Kaminsky, with. No. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not getting in its own way or like, yeah. or like failing to capture, you know, it's totally, totally serviceable. And in terms of other meta arcs of the franchise, the fact that he makes Ryan the choreographer by the third one and like that the third one is really about celebrating like Ryan as key artistic figure, I also mm. find so lovely. It feels like Kenny Ortega like reaching out to his child self and oh. celebrating him. You know what I mean? And I think the subtext I think there's a lot of queer subtext in every element of this movie, but with Ryan yes. in particular, like I think Kenny has even now said he always envisioned Ryan as a gay character and that wasn't Something you could quite openly say on Disney Channel in 2006, which again is why I love Julian yeah. the Phantom. You would have had to apologize for making a big mistake. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Kenny finally got to have his little openly gay sweet teen character. Cool. Um, but yes, I think that, that the I don't know, the little Ryan as Kenny stand-in is something I always latch on to across it's all really of these sweet. movies. I, like I, I want to hear your other standout numbers, um, but before I forget, the the boys are back number in three is so Moses supposes so to me. It's him doing yes. his, yes, his totally. singing in the rain update. Totally. It's a good pitch. I want to see that. Yeah, it's a, it's a Troy and Chad, like, best friend dance number. It's super, and it's super cute. At one point, they become little kids, and they do a little yeah. little kid break dance. The staging of two. I mean, the staging of three, and the staging of two. Like, you could, in the way that two elevates the staging of one, like, three elevates the staging yeah. of two. It's a very satisfying growth. Cool. In terms of, like, the Gabriella, there's certain, there's certain, um tropes that each of the movie follows like troy always has a song where he's like having a mental breakdown <laughs> gabriella yep. always has a song sad where song. she's yeah sad she's like this sad relationship ballad. will never work yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's always like a camp ryan and sharpay moment like there are these certain tropes in terms of the sad gabriella songs i love the one from two gotta go my own way great that's the best one. a little bit a little bit of zach 
Yeah. In it. That one I had. I that was another one where as soon as it started, I was like, "Oh, I've heard this before. This is this is iconic." So good. Was that like yeah. a pop single? Because it totally feels like it could have been. I'm sure. I mean, I think all of these soundtracks. Like, I think the soundtrack for the first one was like a Billboard number one hit for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, I think yeah. there was a time when these songs were. I just feel like "Gotta Go My Own Way" is everywhere. one of those ones where, like, you could just kind of extract us? it from its context. You know, and, like, I never wanted kind of... to hurt you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It feels like a Mandy Moore single, you know, for sure. Which is, For sure. I, mean, I mean, as high praise, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, my friend at the time at sleepovers, a thing you would do is like one of us would take the Troy part and one of us would take the Gabrielle totally. part and you would sing that song. Yes. Such a good song. My background on my phone for a while was Troy in that song looking really sad. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen it? That song has now had a had a little bit of a revival. I know exactly what you're going to say because of the Stranger Things. Yes. yes. Someone <laughs> edited a... Um, Wow, what are their names in Stranger Things? Will and uh, the other one, Mike. <laughs> Mike, thank you. Yeah, it's like a oh, Will and Mike cute. fight that has been edited or at least matches exactly to the oh, dynamic fine. of the... Yeah. I mean, my take on that is like, it, what it exposes to me is that Stranger Things, for all its uh, all its money, uses very generic coverage. And when you use generic coverage, you're going to overlap with everything else that, for <laughs> budgetary reasons, had to use generic coverage. Um, oh, but yes, it is very charming. Very, it's very charming so to me. so funny. Um, I love Start of Something New, the first little karaoke duet that Troy and Gabriella sing at at a at Park City, Utah, a Park exactly. City Mountain Resort. <laughs> um, we should say that Zach does not do most of his own singing oh, yeah. in the first one. That is so another thing. Yeah. He auditioned singing and dancing like everyone else. Then he he sings a little bit. In the first, like some of his own voice is blended in the really sweet little scene where he comes to Gabriella's yeah. balcony and just like acapella sings their little song at her, which I find that really so got charming. me. Yeah, because also because you can tell it's actually his voice yes. in that moment. And spoiler alert, I think his no shade to Drew Seeley, I think his voice is better. It sounds really cute right there. I think the the sort of like official story. I don't know why they, this, I would think that they would be covering up something else, but the story has been that like they wrote the songs. They were very kind of high tenor songs, and that that's not exactly where Zach's voice sits. Mm-hmm. And they obviously did not know this was going to become such a phenomenon. They thought it was going to be a throwaway Disney Channel movie. So they're like, yeah. okay, great. We'll just like use this other guy's voice that can sing higher. And then from two onwards, he does all of his own singing. He does his own singing in Hairspray, Greatest Showman. So at that point, they just kind of start writing songs that that fit him a little bit better. He's but a great that singer. is a slight weirdness. And I think Zach felt weirdness around like, oh, I'm credited on a number one Billboard yeah. album, but like I didn't really sing on it. And they yeah. they did this whole like 40 city live tour. And Zach, it was like all the main cast, like Vanessa Hudgens and Lucas wow. Rubio and Ashley Tisdale and all of our favorites, uh, Corbin Blue. And, but Zach did not go on that, which I think was like partially because he was filming Hairspray and doing other stuff, but also maybe like, so Drew Seeley, who did his voice in the movie, is the one that was on the tour. Hmm. So there is like a weirdness around sort of two people owning the, the Troy Bolton vocal performance. I think his performance also markedly improves when he gets to sing. Like his, mm-hmm. as we talked about, that studied physicality because I, you know, I who knows if they're singing live on set and then redubbing, but you, c- I think you can see his discomfort with the lip syncing a little bit in the first movie, mm-hmm. especially in like Get Your Head in the Game and anything where he mm-hmm. has to sing kind of like soulfully in close up. You can feel that his, the deadness of someone who's not actually singing. Mm-hmm. It's my only take. <laughs> his solo in number three, like I think Bet On It is 
I mean, obviously it's Troy's best. Like it's so iconic. His 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 breakdown solo in the third one, Scream, is a less impressive song, but the staging of it is so cool. They gave him a Fred Astaire tribute. They were like, this is our generation's Fred Astaire. They have him do the, what is it, Easter Parade? Is that the name of the yeah, movie? Yeah, Dancing the on room, the Ceiling. The Room Rotates. Or like, the Nightmare on Elm Street, wedding. depending. Yeah, that's yeah. what it is. That's oh, yeah, what it is. Wedding. Yeah, they do it, except instead of that version where, like, you can't tell the room is spinning, it just looks like he's walking on the ceiling, they mm-hmm. do it where you can actively, like, tell the room is spinning and it's, like, disorienting, mm-hmm. which, okay, Everyone, after listening to this podcast, go read all of the Letterboxd reviews of the High School Musical franchise because they are (laughs) so funny. I'm sure they are. One thing that got pointed out repeatedly was that High School Musical 2 came out like two years, or sorry, High School Musical 3 came out like two years before Inception and everyone was like, so Christopher Nolan stole (laughs) the idea of a spinning room fight from the Scream section of High School Musical Three. Oh, that's so good. Other highlights from Letterboxd, there was someone that was like... Every character in the High School Musical franchise is either gay or evil, and they went through each one. It was like Troy, gay, Chad, gay, Gabriella, evil. It was so funny. And then maybe the one that I truly spent like 30 minutes laughing at was someone saying like, this movie really got me invested in whether or not Troy would be a star basketball player, and he is 5'8". I wanted to point this out. The best basketball player, like, in the region. And he is a teeny little man. When he goes to to scrimmage with the U of A players, you're like, he is a little kid there. And they also made it such a part of Zach's persona. Because, again, the whole thing in 17, again, is like, I was going to be a basketball star. Yeah. And, like, Troy slash Zach looking wistfully at trophy cases is a thing that happens in multiple Zac Efron movies. The entire convention of the giant school banner hanging (laughs) banner that's just massive close ups of all the basketball players that's featured in the first one during Gabriella's song comes Mm -hmm. back in the breakdown song in number three and just features Zach just like dramatically pulling it down from the wall. (laughs) He's such a little diva. I love him so much. He literally like pulls down his own portrait and then goes to the theater and dances on the rigging. And at one point, like flash dance style, like holds onto the ropes and then leans his whole body backwards. And in the world, the drama teacher is just watching him. Darvis is sitting in the audience just watching him do this. saying nothing um my favorite youtube comment um a fun fact about the youtubes of these numbers is that they're not listed under like ashley tisdale lucas grabeel it's like sharpay ryan fabulous like the credited artists are the characters um one of the comments on i don't dance pointed out that chad's girlfriend is wearing a rainbow top taylor mccassie is wearing a rainbow top in the scene so it was like taylor knew she supports the lgbtq energy yeah between chad and ryan which is some of the most fiery chemistry in the franchise yes well there is i mean again i feel like this has been kind of a cornerstone of kenny's whole career like talk about newsies like the most homoerotic movie ever made and there's such subtext like the first one the first high school musical is really about like metaphorically it's about everyone coming out like there's a point where even i think gabrielle or one of the characters is like do you ever feel like there's someone else inside you that's like trying to come out and stick to the status quo is everyone like coming out like oh you have labeled me as a as a nerd but actually i love to dance or my favorite you have labeled me as a lazy stoner but actually i'm an incredible (laughs) cello player I wrote yes, that down. the stoner-coded characters are amazing. I said, as a former stoner, I would have been just gutted if one of my fellow stoners wanted to play a giant violin. <laughs> my favorite is one if they're like, do you have to wear a costume? Suit and tie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's all, it's like, they're all coming out. 
as their authentic selves. They're doing other stuff. Stuff that's not their stuff. Uh, again, another letterbox comment was like, Troy Bolton is a bisexual icon because he's choosing between like basketball, which represents like dating women, and theater, which represents dating men. And what does he decide to do in he the third one? Both. Go to a school that lets him do both. <laughs> Caroline, you're blowing my mind right now because I'm like, maybe my little queer baby self was, I was so afraid to embrace this franchise because I felt too seen. And then when Troy made peace with it, so did I. And at the same time, I was deciding between president of Model UN, which is what all the like cool kids did at my school, which is like, says a lot about my school. Um, Bizarre, but please go on. Yeah. Oh no, it was like all the hot popular kids doing Model UN and then me. And fortunately I just kept winning. So they had to keep me in the club. (laughs) You were the hottest and the most Um, popular. I was easily like, oh my God, I showed up to my first conference in like a full suit and all the girls around me were in like tiny little Marc Jacobs like shift dresses. And I was like, I'm so ugly. Um, But I had to choose between Model UN and being the theater company president. And it was like drama. It was a huge thing. You were Troy Bolton. I was Troy Bolton. And I did end up doing both. (laughs) Doing both can often be the most rewarding way Uh to go. Oh boy. Um, and then you have I Don't Dance, as we keep saying, the Chad and Ryan number. So sexually tense. So much sexual chemistry. It literally ends with them wearing each other's clothes. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I know. I wrote little, that down. Like, they're kind of like eating whatever food afterwards. And and Ryan is wearing Chad's baseball uniform and Chad is wearing Ryan's like little hat and stuff. Like yeah. after is, that extremely charged like slide into first base like yes. stunt they yep. do together. Ooh. And then yelling in each other's faces. And like, I think that is the movie's – that is like the self-awareness, right? Like there's no reason to have them change clothes if you are not a little bit winking at mm-hmm. a subtextual reading of this <laughs> film. Wow. I mean, yeah, their friends say, open up, get way down deep, you know, tell me your secret. And then they say, no. Yeah. With that movement. Yeah. I I think also, like, I sort of, like, would, like, joke about, like, oh, this being about uh, Sharpay's racism. And then there'll be a line, like, <laughs> like we're so skin tone compatible. And then. <laughs> oh, there's, yeah. There's just all the these. Yeah. She's, she's, there was, God, well, there was one other one. Yeah, it was right after right after me being like, oh, this is about someone who like doesn't know he has white privilege figuring out. He goes, I can't believe how things are working out here. <laughs> <laughs> it's just these little things where you're like, that cannot be a coincidence. Well, and I think you mentioned this earlier, Ned, but the whole runner about Ryan's dad constantly straightening out his hat, right? Like that is so – that feels yeah. so metaphorical to me. Like you're wearing your hat sideways. The dad's like supportive and he's Straighten like, you're doing out. great. But like just straighten out that hat a little bit. And that like keeps being the little – runner that feels very pointed to me yeah also in the third movie they make the choice to have gabby talk to her mom in spanish for the first time and Mm. i really appreciated that because i was like unfortunately in 2008 that is a conscious choice when you're putting a property like this on screen um is to say like because vanessa hudgens is obviously of latinx heritage but is relatively light-skinned like to embrace that heritage on screen and say like this is a latinx character um at least to me seems like it was a conscious choice and i was like i'm i am happy they did that 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 was cool it's definitely a conscious choice for the character as written vanessa hudgens is filipina which I feel like was I just was like incorrect hidden, about her heritage, but it, you're you're incorrect because it was packaged. She was definitely packaged 
it took a long time for I think Hollywood to be like we can we can understand that other ethnicities exist. Like yes. I'm talking like Princess Switch yeah. three. I think is the first time they were like let's canonize this in a movie that Damn. like makes sense because I think obviously um, Gabriella the character is written to be Latina. Yeah. Yes, but, but I agree. The scene with her mom is very sweet. I. This is like when I found out Ariana Grande was white. <laughs> yeah, how I feel right now. <laughs> um, which she is, by the way, if anyone doesn't know that. She's yeah. a white woman. <laughs> a little Italian. Yeah. Um, speaking of transitioning away from me making embarrassing mistakes, I have decided to declare that my favorite number is what I, what I, I stand by what I said. It is I Want It All. That is my single favorite it's so number good. from the franchise. Cool. But number two, I think I'm going bet on it. Yeah. And number, number three, I think I'm going fabulous. I think that's my hierarchy. This is really lining up with your love of both Troy and Sharpay. It's <laughs> very well represented in these. My peoples. <laughs> in these song choices. I think I lean a little more. I actually am quite invested in the Troy and Gabriella romance of it all, which is maybe another reason I'm so high on three, because I, I find their romance in three to be so genuinely sweet and kind mm-hmm. and like lovely. <laughs> I did find myself getting really choked up yeah. during all their numbers. And I think it is, one, being in like a, a a state of feeling like open to that energy possibly. But also I think it was – it is that very sweet natural chemistry that exists between them. And like obviously I am I am a Sharpay girl, but I, <laughs> I no longer feel resentment. And I in fact feel a lot of joy in that connection as well. It, it can be re-watch. so powerful to have a lifelong relationship with a work of media or a piece of art because they meet you <laughs> where you are, you know? <laughs> you know what? They do. And it's it's a gorgeous, gorgeous thing. Um, what did I sob to the other day where I was like, I've loved this movie so long. Oh, it was Scream. <laughs> I cried during Scream. <laughs> That's the scream fucking rules. It's a perfect film. Yeah, I went to an all day scream marathon last Sunday oh, where they showed all five films so back to back to back. Wow. So it was awesome. incredible. The uh, also the audience was all hot girls who were like having the time of their life. I can't recommend it. Ah, I bet experience. that was very cool. I was also going to shout out when you told me that High School Musical three is about them doing a musical of themselves of high school musical and there's like a sharpay playing sharpay and then now we have this high school the musical the musical the series which is like about doing a that's that's also a very scream franchise i was just gonna say that's the stab it's, franchise it's stab yeah, exactly going <laughs> further and further into this like vortex of its own self-referentiality I was trying to explain the like requel bit in Scream 5 to someone and I was like the layers of Scream mythology and <laughs> meta-ness I would have to go through to make this make sense to you. It's it's just not worth it. Um but yeah, this round I was I was very in on Troy and Gabriella. Cool. So Caroline, I, I totally cut you off. You were gonna say your your No, fave. I'm so happy to have learned all of the Scream details. <laughs> I love Scream. Amazing experience. I just in three, I really like their little can I have this dance waltz number? Yeah, it's and then sweet. one of my Maybe one of my, like, top five favorite songs is I Just Want to Be With You, their little song that they're doing within the musical, which, again, very weird to just put on a senior musical that's like, oh, these two seniors are in real life dating. Let's, like, have them play themselves on stage. But, but that, the staging that feels it, totally accurate, I'll just say, to high school yeah, maybe theater it does. culture. Oh, 100%. Unless you're playing The Undertaker's wife, Mrs. Sourberry, and your boyfriend's playing one of the orphans, then there's a weird dynamic. Well, I was, I had the experience of being the baker and then also dating the baker's wife, IRL, start during that. So to me, it was This all, feels on brand for you and for me. I yeah, think. I mean, it was, <laughs> you're right about that. Again, sorry, and Caroline, I, we keep cutting you off. Wait, I, my senior year was a play, but I was, 
well, we were playing the parents, but my the my husband was our Troy Bolton, our school's Troy Bolton. Oh my god! We were not romantically linked in real life, but your kind jock though. Yes, it was the kind jock. It was oh. more I was the Kelsey and he was the Troy Bolton. I think that that was the dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. This in all the, feels correct to me. If, this feels yeah, right. It all feels correct for all of us. But in the third one, they're performing this song. But again, this is like latching on to my, I think I'm really discovering like a deeper Ryan. You saying you had a crush on Lucas has like unlocked my full <laughs> Ryan love. I think it's like allowed yeah. me to feel the, the in the really third special. one, the, the way they're staging it, it's Ryan teaching them the choreography while they're singing. And, and Zach is doing this incredible. I think Zach in the third one is peak. I don't think he will ever be better. Like, I'm rooting for him to have an amazing career. No, he will be. I'll win him an Oscar. His ener- The way that he is used in the third one is, like, I can't get over how perfect it is. But he's doing this thing where he's, like, climbing over the seats and climbing over Miss Darbus. And they're, yeah. he's climbing Oh, he pretends the- to play the piano with Kelsey? Yeah, he taps and then the he goes, piano. Ooh. There's wet paint. There's, like, little shenanigans with, like, him and Gabriella and wet paint. Um, and I, what I love about- I think the reason I connect less to two- Although I think the sort of privilege arc is interesting, I think two is, it feels more heightened, like the conflicts of it feel more heightened. Mm -hmm. I actually feel like the conflicts of one and three are shockingly realistic and and like nuanced for what they are. And in three, it's that Gabriella is going to Stanford to be a freaky math genius girl and Troy wants to go to U of A and play basketball, but does he really want that? And will they have to break up because of the, you know, college has taken them apart and then she gets accepted into an early program. So will she have to miss prom and the and the musical to go do this early program? And Troy is so supportive of her going to this early program because he loves her and wants her to flourish. But then she's like, I don't know if I can come back for prom in the musical because it's like, it's emotional. It's vi- Her thing is like, I'm always moving around. Yeah. I know that I have to leave high school. I left high school to do this early program. It is like emotionally too much for, for me to bear to come back just for prom and then to go back to the program. Caroline, that line where she says, my heart doesn't know it's in high school. It's very, that's an incredible line. That so really good. got me. Yeah. So that conflict is so realistic. And the way they solve it, so she doesn't want to come back to prom. And so Zach drives... <laughs> all the like thousands of miles just to go like on their prom night it's just them hanging out at her college campus and like doing their own little dance there which is it's a perfect romantic gesture because it's like so many movie romantic gestures are like over the top and kind of creepy but this one is so nice and caring and it's like it's exactly what she needed like she was like it i don't it's too much for me to come back and deal with all that so he was like oh the solution is that i should be the one that inconveniences myself because I want to spend time with you and support you. So I'll just drive to you. And I don't really care about the, you know, the theatricality of going to my prom. Like, I want to be with you. It's so freaking sweet. Like, I couldn't get over it watching it last also, night. Also, the rare big movie where he he moves for her. Yeah. He, he makes a choice. He even says at the end, he's like, I'm making this choice for me, but also because this is the most important person in the world to me and I want to follow wherever she goes. When he yeah. at the end, so now there's a whole runner where they're like, we're going to be thousands of miles apart. And he like knows the exact number of miles. And at the very end, he's like, and I'm going to this school, 32.7 miles from you. And that's Aww. when I started crying again. <laughs> that is cute. But it is, and it's it, because he's soft, because he's kind and he's soft. So kind. The kindest jock that there ever was. <laughs> okay, as a little game to wrap up here. Please. Where do you guys think the characters would end up after <gasps> this franchise? Oh, like a where are they now? Yeah. So what time are we talking? Like 10 years out of high school? 12, 15? Yeah. 
They're, I mean, they're, yeah, like where we are, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm. Or maybe slightly I mean, I'm later. Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, let me think. Maybe a little later. Like, to me, I have also, I've asked you a question that I have also spent a lot of time thinking about. So sorry yeah. for putting okay. you on I, the spot. Oh, I have one really quick yeah, answer, which is that Kelsey is Shayna Taub. Like, oh, she is, like, writing indie musicals. Sometimes she's in them a bit, like, working on, like, a, a big budget but a small mm-hmm. scale. Very respected. Do you think she, uh, I, I kind of imagine her and Ryan remain collaborators after their Juilliard bonding. Oh, yeah. Ryan is, like, a successful director, yeah. choreographer. He's, like, the Rob Ashford Sharpay is like Fortune 500. She's a girl boss. Ooh. She runs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She runs like the girl bossiest girl boss company. She kind of lets go of theater. So I haven't seen three, but yeah. I think she she lets go of theater for the reasons we said. Like it wasn't really her passion. Her passion was like being the center of attention and having a power yeah. play. She goes corporate America. She's like oh, a ruthless she- headhunter. But but she does fashion? a reality show about it. She no, does a reality. Re- that's good. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, like oh, a selling Zoe, sunset, like a it. like something yeah, with yeah, real yeah. estate. But you're just she's wealthy. Christine Quinn. I was basically, say, she honestly <laughs> could just good. be like Donald Trump. She could just be <laughs> like like pre presidency Donald Trump, where it's like oh, no, she's she kind is. of like a business person reality star. Yes, and she's ridiculous, is like but yeah, having power over people. Well, yeah. so in the third one. Taylor, who we I'm frightened. we have not spent a lot of time talking about Taylor. I do quite like Taylor as well. In the third one, she says she wants to be president. So I'm going to give her that. Let's say Taylor becomes the president. Although the idea of Sharpay yep. becoming our first woman president might be more realistic in terms of mm-hmm. how yep, things but work Taylor- out. Taylor has Kamala energy in that she like – Taylor loves fucking rules. And yes. like in the third movie at one point, Vanessa's like – you're my friend, not my mom. Like, stop trying yes. to like tell me what to do. So let's. I'd, I'd say Taylor's filling the the Kamala Harris Quick slot. Sidebar: at the Talk about people who really got like written out of the second movie. I like barely remember that she. Yeah. She is more. She. I actually think the third one is her best one, which I appreciated cool. for her. Great. They give her some moments in that, yeah, and some yeah, moments sure. that aren't moments, but like she's making them moments. <laughs> She's crying at the end, and that really, really got me as well. Um, they also – I was bummed a little bit because she does a little dance thing with Chad, and she's clearly a dancer. Yeah. And I was like, why hasn't she had a dance number And like whole a time? good singer. When the little bits that yeah. they let her sing sound quite good. Yeah. Um, um, she seems to be doing – actually, I looked her up because I was like, where is this talented girl? And she seems to have like a pretty solid career going for herself, which okay. I'm psyched about. I believe that she did either like a Lifetime or a Hallmark or a Netflix like Christmas rom-com with Corbin Blue. I think that they <gasps> did a – I'm gonna watch it. Also, talk about things that made me emotional. So, Corbin Blue is featured in this season of High School Musical, the musical, the series, which, yes, I'm up to date on. Oh. And they were, so a bunch of them were at the red carpet. There's the cutest video of like she's standing on the red carpet and he's kind of just walking up and like he sees her and he's so excited to see her. And then she does this like, oh, I'm seeing my friend, like little kind of thing. And their hug, I was like, oh, this is talk about like a nostalgic and relatable feeling. Yes. One thing I, I do want to say, uh, in the middle of this game is like Zach on his hot ones interview, but also in other places has talked about like, I obviously had a pretty hard road, but Kenny Ortega is still in my life was like an amazing force for good. And that set was a very safe place for me. Like that was like one of the best times of my life. And I will say like knock wood, all of them for child stars seem to be doing like pretty well. Yeah. You know, I don't know anyone's life, but like, it seems like the set was for all the Disney and the nonsense and the horrors, like Kenny Ortega made a pretty safe space for all of those kids. That's Which is so lovely to hear. Yeah. And I think Vanessa, she's had a longer road to get there, but I actually think she's kind of having, if not a Zac Efron moment, I think we're kind of in like peak Vanessa right now. 
Yeah. I'm very much. Well, she's here great for in it. Tick Tick Boom. Great in Tick Tick Boom. Great in all of those live musicals like Grease Live and Rent Live. One of the best parts. Her Princess Switch franchise, was, which I am also up to date on, like doing incredible she's numbers. Great in that. Is it okay? <laughs> I fell for her in Greece. That was when I was so like, good. oh, she's she's really talented. And I heard she was great in Gigi, even though I didn't oh, get to see yeah. it. And I um, what was I going to say? I really think that she, the biggest mistake in Tick Tick Boom was not giving her all of come to mm. uh, come to your senses because she was fire in that movie, and Alexandra Ship was fine, but she but she was really really like. I think she has acquired a star quality that is like really yes. wonderful to see. Uh, her her architectural digest house tour is great. <laughs> I, I love, love her that. taste. That's news. Um, I think so. Where, where do we think Gabby and Troy are? That's the These hardest. These are the one ones to I feel I think, the strongest about. I think Gabriella. She she probably finishes Stanford, but I think she like. I Gabriella to me is the sense of like someone that needs to find themselves. I think she like yeah. goes to travel the world and because this is probably circa like 2011 or 2012, like finds a lot of success as like a travel blogger, like right when that's starting to happen. Wow. Right. And she's like finding this whole field like she's using her smarts, but I don't think she actually goes into something academic. I don't think mm. she and Troy last, but but I think like okay. it ends amicably. But I, I and I think lasts. she's fine. Like she goes on to be fine. I think I think Troy, like, just goes on to have a wonderful like married suburban life. Loves his wife, but like ten percent of the time still thinks about Gabriella. This is like how I think Zach really got his heart broken by Vanessa. Um, by the way, I've I've done some detective work from interviews, and the vibe I'm very much getting is like Zach sad. So maybe oh. this is what I'm picking just, up. On. Yeah, my last gossip corner is that this is also like my long running theory that Zach is in love with Alexandra Daddario and she is not oh, in love with him from back. Baywatch. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. For another time, yeah, maybe for off mic. But I, uh, I can see that I'm torn between either Troy Bolton becomes a suburban dad or Troy Bolton becomes very very successful because he looks like that. Yeah, because the world just seems to open itself before yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, just and because he's got a good heart. The world quails in the face of Troy Bolton. But I, I'm inclined to say that I think he is not happy in a huge spotlight and and would settle down somewhere really nice. Because and, I, like, sometimes he does community theater. Yeah. But just kind of really keep good. getting, like, pulled into he – keeps, he keeps having people, like, be like, we need you to come into the spotlight here. Yeah, I He's think like, all right, Troy, if that's what I should do. Troy is less ambitious than Zach. Like, I think Zach is putting yeah. himself out mm-hmm. there, whereas, like you're saying, Ned, Troy is getting sucked into it a little more and will be happy mm-hmm. to just, like – be a nice suburban dad who has a Troy does um, longing in his heart. Troy does Joseph and the amazing Technicolor dream coat. <laughs> and everyone's like, that was the best Joseph yeah. that this community theater has ever seen. And like, he really dines out on that for oh, a really guys. long time. 1000%, 1000%. And like, is very pointed about not pressuring his kids into doing certain activities and the way that his dad was so warped him into only focusing on <laughs> basketball. He's such That's a good right. dad. But like the oh grandpa's still there like, oh, you going to get that kid into basketball? And Troy's like, no, dad. <laughs> We're not raising them that way in this house. I love what you said about, but he still has a, a little bit of pain and longing. Yeah, and it will heart. never leave. And he'll like look at Gabriella's like blog, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm just keeping up with an old friend. <laughs> like it's a little bit more than that. Sitting in front of the computer monitor late at night, illuminated by the blue glow, <laughs> scrolling through Gabriella's like like yacht life adventure. And his kid comes oh in like, Dad, God. what are you doing? He's like, nothing, son. 
Nothing. <laughs> what do we? I can we grant? Is, do we think Chad would make it in basketball? I'm not sure on any of I their basketball skills. They're too short. Yeah, they're so they're short. Too tiny. Maybe I, you know, you know how what? many people make it as sports stars? Like point yeah. oh 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 one. So you know? there, there were a couple kids that were good athletes at my school that have now gone on to be like coaches or sports medicine people or like Ooh, somebody I, I follow somebody I knew from high school and now follow on Twitter is like he does like basketball drill training for NBA stars or like prospective NBA stars. Like maybe that's the zone that Chad can be in. Really yeah, active or in like it, a support but- role. Yeah. Or like Bill Hader in Trainwreck, like yeah. the medicine sports guy, medicine doctor for the Knicks. Like I think yeah, I think yeah. a support role, but it's like He's, like, really competent. You yes. Know, he's, like, really good at his for job. For sure. And, like, is really good at dealing with young people and, like, getting there. Yeah. Motivating yeah, them. motivating yeah. them. He also and marries think- a woman, but he just thinks of Ryan. <laughs> his, one, his one experience. Oh, my God. My experience has- with men ended with you. I don't know whether to take he's that as a Broadway. compliment or insult. Oh, my God. He's on the message boards just keeping track of Ryan's oh career. And occasionally God. he sends him texts that say, like, Hey man, hope you're doing well in the oh, big city. Yeah. You've got this. You've got this split screen musical number, which is Troy alone and Chad alone, like both on the computer, thinking about Gabriella and Ryan. Chad and his Seeing family like take we'll a trip it. to New York, and he thinks about texting Ryan when he's there, but he doesn't do it. I happen to. I happen to see your play. Are you? Uh, are you around? I'm. Yeah. I'm in town. Ryan looks he out does, his yeah, window. He keeps it so casual. He looks out his window. There's Chad oh my gosh, at the telephone box. Ryan having the pain and glory. Like, see, it's such yes, a, it's yes, incredible yes. to me. Um, can we give Ryan and Kelsey both Tonys? Can we say that they worked on a show oh, yeah. together and they both won Tonys? And they're like, they both so. thank Miss Darvis from the stage for inspiring <laughs> them. That actually is going to make me cry. Miss <laughs> Darvis. Oh my god! And I think um, Gabriella and Ryan stay in touch. Oh, I and love she like stays with him in New York. You know, I forgot I, because I, wa- I watched the second one a couple days ago. I forgot the brief attempt the like Troy yes. fear that Ryan will steal Gabriella away from him. It's the best. Yeah, it's that's best. pretty half hearted. There, I'm like, is this a? Is this? Are we doing this? I'm so glad the movie like leaves it after that scene. Yeah. He's like, really yeah, I know about her mom's brownies. I've had them. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Troy. It's the delivery of, I know about her mom's brownies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My other favorite Zach delivery is, so I'm going to go to Berkeley, where I can do both. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, he, like, suddenly becomes an ad for Berkeley. Is um, there going to be, like, a reunion movie? Okay. I would not be surprised. There should be. So, internet sleuthing. Like, mm-hmm. a month ago, Vanessa Hudgens, who is not infrequently sort of posting little cute high school musical references, like, she's posted videos that were, like, her singing along with Breaking Free. So she posts this little video that's her sort of, like, standing out front of the the high school where they filmed is actually called East High. Mm-hmm. So she posts, like, a little video that's, like, remember back in kindergarten? And it's her standing in front of East High. And everyone's like, oh, my God, we love this. So cute. Then a couple weeks later, Zac Efron posts a photo in front of East High with, like, the Breakfast yes. Club stance and, like, don't you forget about me or something. So everyone's mm-hmm. like, wait, why would they both be there? And they posted them a couple weeks apart, but people pointed out that the clock on the outside of the school is the same time in both photos. Shut so people up. are like, the are they, oh. were they both there at the same time? Like, A, I don't think they have had a lot of, like, contact because i think it was no a lot i know they're not in touch this is part of my theory on zach got his heartbroken is in one of the gq profiles they're like uh, they try to ask him about vanessa and he says they have not spoken but she was a really lovely and interesting person lovely and interesting well maybe there's hope because they posted these photos together so people are like 
are they going to appear in High School Musical, the musical, the series, which so far has featured, obviously, Martha the Dancer. You know that that girl was the first one to make a cameo. (laughs) Big cameo. Sorry if I'm spoiling the show for people, but Lucas Grabeel is the big cameo at the end of season one. That's a big cameo. Of course. Then season, I can't remember if there were cameos in season three. I kind of feel like they weren't because it was a COVID season. But season two is like full Corbin Blue, which I feel like once you get into Corbin Blue territory... You're you're yeah, getting there. Like, you're almost Troy, there. Troy and Gabby are not far behind. That is that is like a step up. And so the fact that Corbin Blue's there, they both posted these photos, could be related to the series, could be like a different kind of reunion program, you know, presentation or something. But mm-hmm. I feel like there is reason to hope that there could be some sort I think, of reunion. I think now could be cool, but honestly, like 10 years from now, just give me the like, yeah. we're old reunion. You know, not like that they're they, actually the old. They'll be, no. in their, they'll be in their, no. what, their 40s. I actually but. keep getting struck by how young they all mm-hmm. are still. Like, yeah. Zach's 34. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy. Vanessa Hudgens is 33. Yeah. Like, the it's it's really kind of shocking. Yeah, I want to see them when they're, like, in their 40s. That's, that's oh what I want to see. Oh, my God. When Zach has his Oscar that I've won for him. <laughs> uh, so, I think you said opus. when you're like, I'll win him an Oscar. Damn, is that a fucking cool director shit to say? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I listen to be clear to anyone listening. I've only made short films, <laughs> um, but uh, so we're, we're aiming for the sky, you know. Yeah, I mean, the actors I'm going to win Oscars for. I have a little short list. It's Margot Martindale, Nicolas Cage, Oscar number two, and, and Zac Efron. Incredible. All of the confident. same movie. You know it, baby. <laughs> oh shit! Nicholas well, is supporting. Cause, yeah, cause Nick already has the lead yeah, Oscar. Sure, Margot is. Yeah. I mean, listen, if I could get Margot in lead, uh-huh. nothing's going to stop it's us like now. It's like a Zac Efron, Margot Martindale road trip movie. And then let's get you, let's yeah, get you like a supporting actress nom, but like you don't have to win that one because you don't want your film to have, you don't want, oh, sweeping everything that's easy. might that's seem too greedy. So like give it to Nicole Bahari. Else. It's Nicole Bahari. Right. It's Nicole Bahari in a landslide. I am in love with her. She is my wife. And I, I, I just don't say I have to win her the award because I am feeling post Miss Juneteenth very confident she's going to get there on her own, but- She's in there. She's Great. in there. She'll be. The, she'll have already won one by that time. You can get her another nomination. So she'll be. She's like, oh, and one last year. I don't need to win again. Yeah, this time I'm going to be so gracious. I'm just going to show up in the dress. Just happy to be nominated. Yeah. Um, I love this plan. I love Big that plans. this has now just become us both fanficking High School Musical and now fanficking the actors' and lives and ourselves. Yes. Yep. I'll thank you guys. I'll thank the pod when I then win best Honestly, director. Honestly, just thank the Hell service. Yeah. I will. I will not thank my high school theater director. I am so Scorpio energy full of grudges that I have thought daily about how when I win an award, I'm going to say, and no thank you to my high school theater director who did not believe in That me. is Sharpay energy for sure. Make them pay, though. <laughs> I am what I am, you know? Anyway. All right. Are there other things about this franchise that we will be bummed if we have not shouted them out on mic other zach highlights oh you know what my favorite line is in the entire or my favorite line Mm. delivery is danforth bolton what are those two doing in a tree (laughs) (laughs) you know what i'm talking about the dad because i laughed out loud what are those two doing in a tree (laughs) what are they doing in a tree (laughs) um i was gonna say that i think um this is not my episode but i want to say that i think Zach's best performance period is very possibly in Neighbors mm-hmm. and it is because it weaponizes his kindness and was the first movie to realize he makes a great villain for that reason because he is so naturally going to give you sweetness and vulnerability that when you play with that it can get very very interesting. I love that as a take. I was just reading an article 
that was talk that was Seth Rogen saying how much Zach shaped that character. Yeah. Cool. So I think that that's a cool example of like Zach being self-aware of his own strengths and his own perspective and like fueling that into something to make it better, which we have to respect. Yeah, we which we do respect because he has great instincts. Um I want to shout out Zeke the chef real Love quick, Zeke. who I think is very charming in all three movies and yeah. never gets his shot with Sharpay, and and that's a Greek tragedy. <laughs> yeah, what do we think? Let's give let's say Zeke's like a Michelin star. <laughs> No, I think Zeke is incredibly successful. He's the only one who, like, yeah. is cool with everyone, True. super chill, rolls with the punches, which is great for, you know, starting out back a house uh, when he's, like, a line cook. Mm-hmm. He's going to be so successful. Let's say he also reforms restaurant culture, like, kitchen culture to make it <gasps> yes. healthier. Yes. He, he takes his wildcat. does wild not need cat, to be a toxic space. Yeah. He takes his wildcat, we're all in this together energy, and, like reforms the they restaurant industry. They all do industry. like a theater before they open house. They go 87654321876543321. And then they open house. And he invites every he invites everyone to the restaurant opening and Sharpay films an episode of her reality show attending it. Man, look, I understand this is a high pressure situation, but we're all in this together. There's no need to be disrespecting your coworkers. If you guys have a problem, talk about it. So beautiful. I, they work 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 this out. I also love mm-hmm. talk about like little Zach moments when after stick to the status quo, Troy comes in and he's like, what happened? And Chad is like, Zeke like makes creme brulee. Yeah. And the, Troy's reaction is like, oh, cool. Like, that's so nice. He doesn't <laughs> have a line, but his face is like, oh, that's so interesting to learn about my friend. <laughs> yeah. And, Ze- as, and Zeke's like, I'm going to give you a, the re- I'm working on a new recipe. And they like yeah. have a little like, hey. Incredible. Um, yeah. I think that about covers me. I just wanted to shout out my sweet chef boy. I wanted to say that High School Musical 2, while it's mainly about white privilege, is also about labor rights. Yeah, which work. Newsies is also about that's true Kenny that's is true. not oh, messing yeah. around like there has been a consistent pattern in his work of putting social issues into these fluffy like tween yes. musicals and having people do cool sort of angular like breakdancing adjacent things to it yes and and discovering stars I mean Christian was already Empire of the Sun kid but like he knew speaking of while I'm on mic here I want to say that uh, Caroline, I-, I am the other card-carrying member of the Christian Bale fan club. Yes. He is my single favorite actor, and I was so giddy when that was your first series. Okay, well, what a man. Almost every day, Ned, I'm like, how did we do an entire Christian Bale series and we didn't do a Newsies episode? Like, it kind of haunts me. So one day we will have to do a Newsies episode and we'll bring Zoe back to do, like, yeah. a Christian follow-up, a Kenny follow-up, a labor rights follow-up. We were young. We were figuring it out, you know. I think we felt... We will seize the day, yeah. yeah. We didn't know if we were going to make it past five episodes, and, you know, I think it was probably me, like, being like, I gotta talk about Batman, you know. No, I think it was me feeling like I had to talk about Little Women, which is also Mm. a cornerstone for me, but just can't believe it. One day we'll return. We'll write this wrong. Oh, shit. Just wait until you get to the Christian Bale reference in Neighbors. Will the podcast, like, collapse in on itself like a dying star? I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I can't wait to find out. Let's put Christian and Zach... In a movie together. I can't actually handle that. I, I don't think I could. <laughs> I don't think I could survive. I think my poor little system would dissolve into creme brulee. <laughs> well, this was an absolute blast and a joy and could have gone Completely. on for like five more hours in my mind. But I'm so happy with everything we've covered. Ned, I can't wait for you to watch High School Musical 3 and give us mm-hmm. all of your thoughts because... Honestly, just come over when you're back in town and we'll watch it again together because I'm already jonesing to <laughs> revisit. Deal. 
Hell yeah. Um, so next week, we're we're sticking to this time period and we're sticking to this musical genre. We've mentioned the movie a couple times today, but we're going to look at what Zach did between High School Musical 1 and High School Musical 2, which is the 2007 movie musical Hairspray, which oh, that we will be ready for. And I'm... Oh, I'm going to download it the instant it drops <laughs> and I will have takes. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. I, that was the first show I ever saw on Broadway. So this is a real nostalgia tour Aww. in many ways. But for Zoe, thank you so much for joining us today. We couldn't have done yeah, it without Zoe. you. Your, your Zach takes, your High School Musical takes, all impeccable, even if I even if I think you're ranking the movies wrong. But what can we do about that? We all have our own. <laughs> It's super fair. And I don't know if I stand by it. I think, I think my ultimate take is, as we said, best numbers for me are in two. And so that's, that's going to take the cake. I mean, and I appreciate, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you're not alone in the, in the two love. So you're holding up, you're holding up an important corner of the, the high school musical fandom. I'm happy to do so. And I appreciate your organizational <laughs> skills because I truly came in and started talking and I was like, Oh, I have too many thoughts. <laughs> I need to bring so, – I'm channeling the Taylor slash Kelsey energy, I would say. That's my <laughs> – that's where I'm living. Yeah, yeah. So if listeners want to agree or disagree with your high school musical takes, where can people find you online? And is there anything you'd like to plug or direct them to, the short films that you mentioned perhaps? Oh, oh, certainly not those <laughs> yet. Uh, we, <laughs> we are in post-production, baby. Um, I was also going to say, I think this makes you Troy, Ned, in our breakdown. So – Wait, How do you wear that mantle? In what sense? In which? I don't know. In the way that I decided. Um, cool. I'll I, take it. <laughs> I, um, I'll take it proudly. Thank you. Um, I am on all social media, unfortunately, um, as at Captain Maltby. Made that handle in my first year of college, and it's what it is. I, I That's Twitter, it. Instagram. <laughs> you do Letterboxd? Twitter, Instagram. Oh, yeah. You can find me on Letterboxd. Um, this is I, a pro Letterboxd podcast. Yeah. Um, I do have the pro account. I never use it, um, but I enjoy reading reviews. Uh, as far as things I can plug, um, generally, if you follow me on social media, when stuff is finished, it'll go up there. Um, I do have a podcast I wrote coming out in a month or two, um, which is called Bear Lake, uh, which is based on another project I've been kind of gestating for a long, long time. A really awesome um, one. <laughs> thanks, Ned. Um, and other than that, just, uh, you know, I... I was super excited to be here, and it was a real joy. It was a joy to have you. And when you win Zach his Oscar, we'll replug this oh, episode and say you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, I think actually my plug would be I'm fundraising for a feature right now. So if you listen to this and you think I sound brilliant and you want to throw me some some golf money, oh, you know, yeah. happy you a, happy to a, take a, it. Go me. What are what are you? <laughs> no. <laughs> what are they supposed to Not just Venmo you, Zoe? Come on. <laughs> yeah, just shoot me a Venmo. Venmo. DM we'll me five dollars. <laughs> It's at Zoe Malpy. So, you know, if I get, if you have a dollar, I know we're currently, we're about to launch a Seed and Spark for fundraising for one of the short films I just uh, shot. So as you can tell, I'm very on top of my self-promotion. It's real strength of mine. This is the way I differ from Sharpay. We'll just follow you online and you will be posting about these things and then people will know exactly where to find them there. Yeah. Cough up a buck, you cheap Perfect. bastards. <laughs> Never thought I'd end this by being like, "Give me money." Um, <laughs> this is what this is what the pro union, pro labor Kenny Ortega yeah. would want for us. I genuinely think this is what makes me a Ryan and not a Sharpay. Is that when I have to talk about myself, I'm like Jazz Square. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll say you're um, a Sharpay Ryan hybrid. I'll be a Kelsey Taylor mm. hybrid, and maybe we'll make 
Ned a a, um, a Troy Zeke hybrid. Does that feel right? Wow. I feel like I'm honestly, but honestly, I feel like I'm kind of like a Troy Kelsey. Oh, okay. We'll make yeah. you a Troy Kelsey hybrid. Yeah. I see it. I see it for us. But I'm also a, a Troy Martha because I love to pop lock and drop it. <laughs> <laughs> I maybe now. maybe we're all Martha. You know, I mean, are we all? We can only dream of being a Martha, really. Roll Calling is produced and recorded by us, Caroline Sita and Ned Baker. Our theme music was created by Patrick Buddy and our logo was designed by Nick Wanserski. You can follow us on Twitter or on Instagram. We're at Roll Calling. Or you can email us, rollcalling at gmail.com. That's roll spelled R-O-L-E. We will be back in two weeks with Hairspray. Until then, pop, lock, and drop it. (laughs) 